there is one event that defines sports entertainment. Welcome to WrestleMania! That inspires from generation to generation. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. This place has gone crazy! Austin will not surrender! Gives us memories that last a lifetime. Now, 20 years later, WrestleMania returns to Detroit. All I don't believe it. Grown up. Next up, we get the uh, comedy spot with all the with all the wrestlers. So we get Eugene with JTG and Shad backstage. Eugene has had his head shaved recently. I believe that was by Vince. We find out during the video for his match with not well, you know, not his match with Trump. You know what I'm talking about. They say they hooked Eugene up, and then three divas dance for him until Moolah and Mae Young arrive, and Eugene dances with them. Slick then arrives, as does Dusty Rhodes, and they all have a dance. Then Sergeant Slaughter, Jimmy Hart, IRS, and Mean Gene join the party as does jerry briscoe and ricky steamboat eventually ron simmons arrives says damn and then they carry on dancing nothing ends they just carry on going i mean i know matt's gonna hate it because i like funny things this wasn't funny i just brings a smile to my face i just find it it enjoyable (laughs) i can't help it i'm not i'm not i'm not saying it for effect i'm not trying to piss you off I find these things, I find these bits enjoyable and they bring a smile to, a smile to my face. Yeah. Do you know, I'm the same as you. When it started, I hated it. I, I did I quite like crime time. And then it, it's got to be said, it, I, it, I did have a bit of a feeling of sadness when seeing Chad Gaspar, obviously what happened to him. Yeah. You're like, you know, awful. And then Eugene's here again. And then Mae Young, I was like, uh, like when the divas come out, I thought, well, Mae Young and Moolah's going to come out. And then I've got Slick saves the day. And then I thought <laughs> it was fantastic after that. That was brilliant. And then let's not forget the the pods got IRS making a making a, a an appearance in there as well. Steamboat dancing, Ron Simmons shouting damn. Yeah, gets me every time. I, I did. I thought it was good. It's, I hated it at first, but yeah, I thought it was good. I was the same as you. Put a smile on my face. I, I think these things are fun for anybody who watched wrestling in their late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties. If you didn't watch it then. You're not going to get that nice, nice, warm, nostalgic feel of all these old blokes taking the piss out of themselves, basically, and just having a damn good time. You're not going to like it. And plus, Matt does take everything in wrestling too seriously. It's so he's never going to like it. Fuck off. You can't dance, Dad. Bugger off. Ah. <sighs> got to embrace that you got to embrace it matt at some point i mean don't forget as well you are you know as i said careening towards your mid-30s you have to accept that the dad dancing is is going to be you pretty soon regardless of whether you're a dad or not i i I threw the smoother shapes i don't think so oh i seriously (laughs) doubt it given the music you listen to i can only imagine how your your shapes would be the most angular (laughs) like i don't know we haven't even mentioned the the fantastic music that's on been on this show (laughs) As provided by saliva once again. Do you know, in all seriousness, Matt, in about 40 years, when they're doing things 
when the New Day are rocking up doing all this kind of crap stuff. And... He doesn't like the New Day now. No. <laughs> like, he just no. doesn't like the. He doesn't like fun. He just doesn't like fun. <laughs> you know, when he started watching wrestling, he was like 11 years old, and there was nothing, at, even at 11 years old, that would was fun for him. It was just. It still had to be ultra serious basically shoot fighting otherwise he wasn't interested in it that's, no, that's no. what i watch right and that's what i watch right i want to see two guys fight or two girls whatever fight uh, there's no warp then is there no absolutely not Hello, this is the Random Wrestling Review. Welcome to the show. This is episode 108 today for WrestleMania 23, the tagline for which is all grown up. And joining me today, we have a man who is definitely all grown up and may well be hurtling towards his mid-30s, but whose music taste suggests he's still only 13. It's the polar bear, Matt Roberts. How are you doing, Matt? I was, I was literally thinking there, where the hell are you going with that? What was with the grown up and music thing? No. But yeah, hi guys. <laughs> And also today we have a man who's nearly 10 years older than Matt, but you wouldn't know it when you catch a glimpse of those straight pearly white teeth of his. It's Alex from Rockstar Kirky. How you doing, Alex? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I hope you two are good as well. Uh, looking forward to today. I've uh, taken the wicket out for a walk. I've got my muggerholics, my slippers and pipe all ready. And do you know why? Because as you've already said, I'm all grown up. <laughs> yes, indeed. All grown up. What a tagline. I, did, I, didn't, yeah. really get, I didn't really get the tagline. I, got really I quite forgot about it. Totally forgot that it was a thing. I'm not surprised because it is instantly forgettable, but it just yeah. feels like a strange tagline. You know, it doesn't exactly go, you know, it doesn't exactly say, you know, the greatest sports entertainment spectacular of all time, does it? It just says everything before it was childish as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> it was bizarre. It made sense, obviously, with the vignettes that ran out, ran throughout the show, but that was about it, really. Yeah. But very, I forgot about it as well until it came up at the beginning. Are they saying that at 23, you are then all grown up? Is that what they're trying to get at? Uh, do you know what? I did actually think that whether it was some sort of, uh, yeah, like say at 23, you are all grown up, but yeah, I didn't bother looking, didn't bother researching it. I just did actually think that. Okay, well, we are, as I said, WrestleMania 23 today. Now, Matt, again, this is right in your wheelhouse, so I'm not going to go to you first. I'm going to give my expectations first, because when I started watching this, I suddenly realised, right, I've never seen this. I've never seen any part of it. I've never watched a single moment of this WrestleMania. It's the only one, definitely going into the series, that I had not watched any of. Said when we watched WrestleMania 21, I'd watched three or four matches. WrestleMania 22, I think I'd watched one. This, I definitely have not seen any of it. They say that the night is darkest before the dawn, and that would make sense, because after this, I start kind of really getting back into wrestling again after this WrestleMania. But this is completely dark to me before going into it. So I had very little to expect here. I had no clue what we were going to get. I assumed again that the reason I hadn't gone back and watched it is that the lineup didn't particularly get me excited for it. So I, again, was thinking probably it's going to be okay, but I'm not sure I'm going to love it that much. What about you, Alex? Yeah, a bit of a weird one, this, because I've definitely seen it because I've seen them all and I've got them all on DVD. I'm going to assume that I watched it live. I can't remember watching it live, whereas all the others I can. But when you said that I was doing this one, other than the main event, I couldn't remember any of the matches at all. And then I started kind of, as I, I didn't look anything up 
Um, and I just started thinking, I thought, well, Undertaker must have a match. And I couldn't remember what match that was. And then I realised that it was Undertaker Batista. Then I realised it was Bobby Lashley Umaga as well. But that was it. Other than that, I just couldn't remember the show at all. So I didn't really know what to expect. But that kind of, it made me really looking forward to watching it. Because I just, I, I couldn't remember where it was good. Couldn't remember where it was bad. Just couldn't remember what the matches were like. And I seem to recall the main event quite enjoying the main event you know when i watched it but that was it so i i was really looking forward to watching it because i just couldn't remember the show and what about you matt do you know i I think this is probably the most sort of mid sort of expectations that i've had going into rewatching a wrestlemania i i I just about remembered it there was one or two things that i did forget about but i I could i could remember the match results quite well as it turns out i'm not quite sure i remembered how good or bad some of the matches were you'll see soon enough nothing particularly jumped out or excited me but but then at the same time nothing you know sort of said uh this is not gonna be that great so just very mid and just like man let's, let's just see what happens yes yes fair enough wrestlemania 23 Back to Detroit. Now, that plays another key kind of characterization of this. They were all excited because, well, I mean, technically, WrestleMania 3 wasn't in Detroit. It was in Pontiac. It was just outside Detroit. But, you know, let's not get let's not like the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> eh? Let's start with you, Alex. What was your talking points for the show? Right. I'm going to spaff my lord right at the start. Here. <laughs> oh, I love it. So That's what we like to see. My talking point is going to be the main event, which is my match of the night. And fuck it, I'm going to do it. My MVP <laughs> Is John Cena? Oh, here we go. Look at no, that. He's spaffed his load. He's spaffed his load. It. Don't don't fall asleep now, Alex. No, no, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I'll come on to my to, to my MVP and why I'm picking John Cena uh, later. But I absolutely love this match. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And obviously, it's I'm kind of using my memory a bit with other main events. But I would say that it could be in the top ten best WrestleMania main events ever. Which, all right, there's only been 39. Well, I know there's been more, aren't there, because of the two nights and all that. But I just couldn't get over how good this match was. I thought it was fantastic from the start all the way to the end. There was one thing at the end that I didn't, didn't really like, but we'll come on to it. First of all, it, the, the entrances, Shawn Michaels with his DX music, which, which I know that obviously was coming off the back of uh, DX, but I still found it, it was a bit weird how he came out to the DX music. And then John Cena's entrance. Oh, my God. I just loved it. I loved the, the Mustang driving through Detroit and crashing through the glass. The one thing that I couldn't stand about it was the commentary in the middle of it. Like, the, the, the Jerry Lawler and JR was commentating while while we were driving. I just thought it completely spoiled it. Not completely spoiled because I still loved it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I just, from the start, right from the start, when they come out, it didn't actually have a big fight feel to it at first but then that soon it soon became a big fight feel watching it brilliant brilliant at the start where Shawn Michaels was getting the best of better of John Cena and then my favourite bit is kind of in the middle with the leg where Shawn Michaels was working over John Cena's leg and this is one of the things that has made John Cena my MVP because I thought his selling of the leg was fantastic I loved it how there was one point where he was just kicking out at Shawn Michaels just to get him away and when he shouted to the ref get him off get him off oh I just thought it was just dead realistic really realistic did spoil it a little bit when he went for the five knuckle shuffle and he was like running like as if nothing had happened but I could get past that I could get past that the couple of things that I could have done without the the pile driver on the steel steps she could have done without that not a, I didn't think it gives anything to the match really they could have done another spot a lot more safer than that obviously with uh, protecting their heads and stuff like that 
excellent series of reversals. STF's leading to a roll up at the end, and then Cena wins with the STFU submitting Shawn Michaels. Prior to that, we had the ref bump as well, which happened quite early for a ref bump because it normally happened near the end of the match. I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I, I have made notes here, but I, at one point I just stopped taking notes because I was that engrossed in the match. The one thing that I didn't like, and it might have something to do with why I didn't give Shawn Michaels my MVP, is the bit at the end where John Cena went to shake his hand and he just kind of walked off. I think that that was Shawn Michaels politicking at the end. I don't know what the, the, the thought process was behind it. I just think Shawn Michaels just thought, oh, I'm not shaking your hand. I think he, at the time he probably thought, yeah, I should have won this. You know, you've used your sway uh, to beat me with a submission move, so no, I'm not shaking your hand. And it it, it didn't, it just felt like to me that it was just unnecessary. And it led to nothing as well, because the next night I seem to remember that he just come out Shawn Michaels and just apologised for his actions and just said, maybe I should have shut your hand and that was it. But yeah, I just thought it was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. And John Cena, I know that obviously he's a lot of people, he's a bit of a love or hate. You love him if you're under 10 uh, and you hate him if you're or, you know, over a teenager. But I've never I've never minded John Cena. I've always quite liked him. He's always, always had kind of good matches. Yeah, he's had shit matches as well. But he has got, you know, if, you, if you're the owner of a company, and you've got a guy that's making you the most money, why wouldn't you put him on top? You'd be foolish not to. Absolutely foolish not to. He sells the most merchandise, so he's got to be main event. It's got to be. And again, I think he does a serviceable job in his matches. His main events, I don't think they're boring. Part of that, I remember he's, I listened to the WrestleMania 22 show saying you're saying about the main event, and now part of it, the crowd kind of brought the main event up a little bit. But yeah, I completely think he deserves to be on, the, on top. And I thought his selling of the leg was so realistic so realistic so that's why he's edging it for me MVP for me so yeah I, again I just can't say enough good things about that Matt I thought it was absolutely fantastic I'd watch it again definitely thought it was brilliant so Matt what's your thoughts <laughs> you enter the polar bear I, I thought I thought that everyone was going to be on the same page honestly or, or am I about to swerve you oh possibly yeah because this too was my match of the Ooh. night and my MVP of the night was Shawn Michaels. And I, the reason I've been sat here smiling for the last couple of minutes, Alex, is because, believe it or not, I agree with most of what you said there. It's, it's very strange looking back at this match and how I felt at the time and compared to how I feel now. I was still early enough into my fandom of WWE and pro wrestling as, as a whole at the time that, that I, I didn't remember the quality of the match that well because I was a massive John Cena hater at the time. Hated him. I remember being gobsmacked the year before when he beat Triple H with the STFU. And I remember the exact same feeling this year thinking, fuck. Can I, um, can I ask you, yeah. why did you hate John Cena? I'm just interested. G- generally, because I didn't think he was good enough to be on top at the time. From a performance perspective yeah i, I yeah from pro, yeah probably from from yeah from i can't speak from performance wise like it is his work i i don't think he was consistent consistently good enough to to be on top and there were there were plenty of other guys i felt were, were better suited for the job and for the role basically so i i was i was not a fan of the senior experiment early on I'll, I'll fully admit so i i was gutted but, you know, and I, I couldn't really tell at the time that, you know, looking back at it now, it's almost quite laughable because, you know, of course he was going to bloody win the damn thing. But at the time, I just remember thinking, ah, fuck, as soon as they finished, remember being gutted. So I, I forgot 
about the quality of the match. Now, having known, you know, fast forward however many years later and rewatching it again, my God, this was good. Now, for me, I put this up as I think this is one of, it's not definitely the best, but it's one of John Cena's best ever matches, I personally think. And I'm including uh, matches versus the likes of AJ Styles, CM Punk. You know, again, not going to go with specifics or whatever, but I can definitely tell you that this, for me, was possibly top five uh, of John Cena's work. So this was bloody brilliant. Now, the reason that I'm leaning more towards Shawn Michaels as my MVP of the night is because I do feel that a large portion of that is on his shoulders. Because like I said, I, I don't think Cena was that great at the time unless he had somebody the likes of Shawn Michaels bringing him along for the ride. Not to say that Cena didn't work his ass off on this because he damn sure did, but but I do feel that Michaels was the guy who was, who was definitely you know driving the truck for this one. One of the things that, that I disagreed with you on, Alex, is I loved the pile driver spot. I, and I personally think it was great because Shawn Michaels pulled it off. So I felt it looked super safe. It looked devastating, but I, I believe it looked safe at the same time. So I thought, great, well done for that. The STF finish was the, was the right finish. There were so many good things about this. It was it was a long match, to be fair, but it was one of those where it was paced so well that it, it didn't feel as long as it did. It went exactly as it should be. It built right to the perfect finish. Like I said, you know, Shawn Michaels working over his leg was great. The, the stuff early on, you know, Cena trying to get the better of him, but he can't. Michaels, the crafty veteran, was awesome. I liked the version of Michaels being DX here at the time. I mean, it, it's, it's literally, yeah, the, the, the reason they were going with him as DX is because it wasn't that long before Triple H had his injury. So they were still riding off the high of those two being there, two of the top baby faces. But yeah, this was just, this really was a work of art. And what's funny is that, I know you mentioned there, Alex, that it didn't initially have a big fight feel. It didn't. You know, the, the hype package was did a tremendous job of building this matchup. Because I remember at the time, this was actually, I don't want to say it was cold, but this, at the time, the, the main event was considered Batista Undertaker. And the fact that this went on last, a lot of people were pissed about. So it was interesting that they did go with this last. But yeah, like I said, I, I felt this was absolutely brilliant piece of work and just one last thing as well that i did look up because i wasn't sure about the handshake at the end as well i wasn't sure if perhaps something happened there didn't know this at the time apparently and again take this with a pinch of salt but apparently sean was pissed that apparently cena didn't sell the leg well enough which is why he refused to shake his hand don't know if that's the case but apparently that was the rumor doing the rounds because otherwise apparently he was supposed to shake his hand so whether or not that wasn't going into business for himself, I don't know. But that was apparently the deal. But yeah, this was bloody brilliant. Both worked their asses off. Michael's MVP of the night. I mean, it's interesting. I didn't even think about the handshake at the end. I think that just really shows you how little I was paying attention at this time in in history. I just it didn't even I didn't even consider the idea that it would be political anyway. I just figured that they were going with something else onwards after this WrestleMania and. That was just the sort of start of it. I also didn't. I also didn't mind the idea that regardless of who you are in the match, two baby faces effectively, that having lost, you'd still be a bit pissed off and you wouldn't necessarily want to shake the hand of your opponent. So I, I had no problem with that at all. Interesting though that it could have been something which Shawn Michaels did out of kind of some personal distaste for something Cena did in the match. I'm I'm not as high as the, as on as you guys on this match at all. I thought it was fine. I, it did struggle to hold my attention actually through large parts of the middle. I really I really found it hard to just to stay concentrated on it. I think the the start was a little bit 
slow again and i think and you know you're right they it's a long match 28 minutes the match goes for which is a, a long long time for a wrestlemania main event and i felt it i felt every 28 minutes of, th- of that match i really did I, I just struggled to get through it i did enjoy the pile driver on the steps didn't enjoy the blade job cedar did to sell it though which was horrible just looked he had a, like a cut on the back of his head it just looked awful it just looked exactly where you wouldn't want a cut on your head any like there at all and i will say though that this did include my favorite sequence of the entire show which was the just phenomenal bit of reversing counter reversing reversing sequence they did which lasted about you know a minute and it was just phenomenal really dramatic really sensational i just thought it was great but it just wasn't enough to get me to that level of this is just a phenomenal match it isn't my match of the night but that bit was was great i as i said i didn't dislike it i'm not kind of going oh this was rubbish it just for me wasn't at that level i was just like i got bored a lot through the middle for for a good 15 20 minutes i was like god come on guys like do something i just i just wasn't whatever story they were trying to tell i wasn't getting it it just wasn't just i wasn't with it and that kind of counted for the the video package before as well i didn't really feel like it got me in the mood i just felt like so why what what what's the what's the issue between these two guys basically the story appears to be at some point Shawn michaels is going to hit the super kick on john cena but he doesn't know when (laughs) that seemed to be the story so I was a bit like, that's not very, it's not very inspiring story going into the main event of WrestleMania. And I think I agree with what you said a minute ago, or at least agree with what people were saying at the time, seemingly. I felt The Undertaker Batista should have been the main event, in my view, especially because Cena retained the title. There's there's something about him retaining, which makes me feel like this shouldn't have been on last. The Undertaker winning his the title, which... I know he would go on to beat Edge again the following year and get another title, but this was supposed to be, at the time, his final run with the world title. It only wasn't because he got cut short because of injury. So this was supposed to be like his big his big last title reign. And I think that that's a good story to end WrestleMania on and, and the right moment to, to, to end on. And it did make me wonder whether or not this was the right result. Like, we talked about Batista and John Cena when we did WrestleMania 21 and their diverging paths. And I think, again, Batista has suffered here because he's the guy on smackdown and has to be therefore against the undertaker rather than Shawn michaels and triple h as cena's done over the previous two years because had it been the other way around batista would have won the match and uh, john cena would have lost but because batista's got to face the undertaker because he's on smackdown he's got to lose the world title match and i felt a bit like i'm wondering whether or not it should have been the other way around given that Again, this would have been Shawn Michaels' final run with the belt if he if if he'd have got it, of course. So yeah, just for me, okay, actually not not okay, better than okay, better than average. Just I just didn't think it was a great great match. But there we go. Interesting that you both loved it though, I, and and I could see people loving it because it was a it definitely was something. It just for me, it just I struggled with it. There were bits of it, especially the in the middle where I felt like it was a bit like the Iron Man match, the <laughs> WrestleMania 12, that level of like. Oh, come on, guys, just do something. But the difference being is that with the Iron Man match, I kind of accepted it because it's an hour long, whereas this was half half the time. And I don't know, it just didn't really didn't do it for me. There's a couple of things that I forgot to mention. I thought I, I was kind of rambling earlier when I, went, when I was uh, talking about the match. But one thing that I struggled to find out was, were they tag team champions at this time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, because it doesn't mention it in the video. And then they mention it on commentary. And then, I mean, I've, I've said this before, commentary is a bit like white noise for me and I can't, you know, can't really pick out most of the time. 
But then when I was looking on Wikipedia and stuff like that, don't mention it on there either. And that annoys me. When they have like main events of WrestleManias or main events of matches and they have two baby faces and then they give them the tag team titles. That just pisses me off because it just completely undervalues the tag team titles completely. See, for me, I wouldn't have minded that so much, except for me, it's convoluted. I like the idea, for example, of in this instance, let's say Shawn Michaels and John Cena won the tag team titles prior to the Rumble. And they'd done it because they they were maybe, and this might have been what happened, Triple H was injured, so John Cena joined Shawn Michaels to take on whoever were the tag team champions before, let's just say. I don't know if that's what happened, but let's say that did. And it happened before the Rumble. And then Michaels went and won the Rumble, and therefore, and then chose John Cena as the guy he knew best because he was a tag team partner. I could get on board with that. It's just that it seems to me that the only story they could come up with to make it at all interesting in the build-up mm. was to have them tagging. So that's what they did. Like it's, it's a nuance about the order of the story being told. But I think if you if you've got them as the tag team champions prior to rum, the rumble, and then you give them an organic way to get to the title match, then I'm all for it. But if you do it in a way that is blatantly there just because you're facilitating something between these two people to lead up to the match, that it just doesn't feel organic and it feels forced to me. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. I totally understand it. But they didn't even come out with the tag team titles, and it's for me, it's like, it's like, well, we won the match, but we don't care about that. We don't care about, it. and it, it completely undervalues the tag team titles for, for my, for my money, yes. anyway. I I, I, to- I totally get that point. I mean, it's something I was going to touch on in one of the other matches, but you know, it's, it's it's relevant to hear anyway. So so I'll I'll quickly go to it. But to to be honest, they 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 were re- they really shot themselves in the foot because I mean, okay, they, you know, they went with Shawn Michaels because he, he was you know without Triple H having the you know the Triple H seen a match, it had to be Michaels. But two of their best baby uh, to their best baby faces, excuse me, to their best heels were absolutely wasted earlier on. Edge and Randy Orton. They were at the prime of their careers at this point, and either one of them really should have had that shot as the main event. I mean, you know, they, they, they both, let's face it, they both did fine in their respective careers anyway, but, you know, they were criminally underused on this, and it was, it was a real shame. What was, what? I mean, obviously, Batista Undertaker was something they'd been building up to and were going to do, and probably would have done the year before, I reckon, had, had Batista not got uh, injured going into WrestleMania 22. What was supposed to happen here? Was it because I know that DX refuted him or about to feud with our rated RKO, so presumably something with those guys would have happened here. Uh, to, to be honest, as far as I'm aware, it, it was meant to be Triple H Cena too. Um, oh, how they're going to get there, I, I don't know. But yeah, it, like literally, I, I think it was at the New Year's Revolution paper or something like that. It is where Triple H got hurt again, and that's when they had to yeah. pivot away from that. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure they somehow were going to get to Triple H and Cena too. Right, we we've covered New Year's Revolution in 2007, by the way. It's in the it's in the archives, but. Yeah, no, I just wondered if that was if they had because, as you say, I mean, we're, we're not talking about the Monday Night Ladder match right now, but Orton and Orton and Edge are completely spaffed on the on the on the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I'm looking at the thing going, well, surely, you know, th- there's space for them somewhere that's not on that in that match. And I guess the, the this is the consequence of them having two babyface babyface matches in the two main spots. I also wonder, though, whether they got to this point where Triple H was injured and thought, this might we might not have Shawn Michaels and Undertaker very much longer, so we do want to get the big matches out of them when we still can, rather than perhaps go to John Cena Orton, for example, which could have been a could have been a main event of this after Triple H got injured. I wonder if they'd have gone for the triple threat threat triple threat 
that they did it. They did it a Survivor Series. Was it the, was it the following year or the year before? Hang on. Which was the what Triple H? They, they did a yeah. Triple H, Michaels and Cena. Yeah, there was a Survivor Series at some point. I can't remember. Yeah, it when. was Survivor Series. Yeah, but I can't remember exactly when it was. But I wonder if they were in, if they were looking at that year. Because I think, because I think if, if, they, they, if they, they did Triple H Cena too, then what's Michaels going to do? Unless they stuck him in the Money in the Bank ladder match. But well, I mean, I imagine he would have fought Orton or Edge, wouldn't he? I guess in in a in another yeah, maybe, yeah. in another main match. Anyway, Matt, what's your talking point today? I really struggle for a talking point on this one. Um, if I had to pick, it was between another two. So I figured, why not? And I have a funny feeling, Ben. I I know there's one that you potentially want to address, so I'm going to make a point to avoid that one. I'm going to go with the Battle of the Billionaires. What an interesting piece of television this was, eh? I mean, okay, let, let's just let's let's start with Trump, shall we? It, it's just bizarre. It's just really, really weird to see him plastered on WWE TV as the babyface at this point. It's just so weird. It just it just doesn't it doesn't compute in my mind. So I, I was really struggling just to get past that every time. And every time, you know, the, he had like some, you know, really hot valet or something come up with him. I just think, oh, <laughs> it's just no good. What was rather funny, I thought, is before the match even began, when they, when they showed the graphic, poor Bobby Lashley and Umaga. I mean, OK, again, like I said, you know, they, they both did all right in their careers. But my God, were they just the backdrop for this, I mean, it was just this was the Vincent Trump show, and you know, okay, I mean, they got to play a part in it, but just that graphic alone just made me laugh my head off because they were two tiny little things so in the background, and you know, okay, they they had you know, it, once the match happens, you know, okay, obviously all the promotion and now you can forgive them for that, but once the the main part of the story, the match happened, they had to carry this thing. And it's like they were a footnote in the entire thing. But the the match itself, for, for me, was kind of two halves. The first half, i got to be honest with you, I felt was really boring and took a long time to get going and really didn't work for me. The second half, however, I don't know what happened, but it felt that they eventually sort of got into gear, got it together, and things started to click. Stone Cold Steve Austin was absolutely fantastic as the special guest referee. Fair play to him. And you can still, even then, you... The intensity in his eyes, you know, when he was pulling like Umaga off, you know, when grabbing him by the hair and, you know, for do, when he was doing the five count and, you know, getting in his face and the look in his eyes, he had such an intense look in his eyes. It, it is insane. Yeah, again, like the, the second half of it, you know, it, it did, did definitely pick up. In, you know, in the end, again, I'll, I'll quickly go with the result that, uh, you know, Lashley beat Umaga after a Stone Cold Stunner. And a spear by him. Obviously, Vince ended up getting his head shaved, which was part of the deal. And fair play to Vince. You know, he he did the head shaving part amazingly well, as only Vince could do. Proper comedic, you know, kicking and screaming. Ah, it's the worst thing in the world. God forbid he's going to be bald. He he did all that great. I mean, the, the one thing that I did find absolutely hilarious in this was Donald Trump taking down Vince at one point, and the oh, the punches he was hitting him with. Oh, my God, they were awful. But it was just quite funny to see. One of the other things that I thought was absolutely hilarious is is post-match is Donald Trump receiving a stunner as well, which I am labelling the third worst Stone Cold stunner in history. This was just, I don't know, this was just a weird, weird spot on the, well, you know, spot on the show. It was, it carried the show ultimately, though. It is what's hilarious about it is that, the, you know, and we've talked about the idea of celebrity on this show, but that that's what... 
drove this show to such a massive buy rate is people bought into the Donald versus Vince. What else do you say about the thing? Well, I was going to ask actually on that because obviously we've we've not listed the buy rates. We, we were talking about the buy rates quite a lot at one point. <clears throat> we haven't we haven't spoken about them for the last four or five episodes. And after WrestleMania 19, which is a, a quite a low point at that moment, like it had gone really through the roof for WrestleMania 15, 16, 17, 18, and then 19 had really dipped. And 20 went up, went back up to about 880,000. WrestleMania 21 was 980,000. WrestleMania 22 was 930,000. Then this was 1.1 million. Yep. And so, and, and I was going to talk about this because obviously this isn't the main event or it's not in the main event position, but what, what is the nature of a main event if it's not the thing that most people have bought or <clears throat> most has sold a show? And there has to be an argument this most sh- sold this show. Oh, oh absolutely. 100%, yeah. It, it, I, I feel you know this potentially should have gone on last. Well, you know, again, given that you would, I would argue the main event is the thing that most people have bought the show for. This this feels like it should be considered the main event, regardless of whether it goes on last or not. So I've never thought about that, but I would have had no issues with this going on last. And I never thought, I never, I never thought I'd say that. But I, yeah, I can totally see the point there. I would have I mean, no issues with it going on last. Vince, Steve Austin, who, who's who's going to say, oh, they shouldn't mm-hmm. have been on last? You know, all right, you've got Bobby Lashley and Rumaga and that, but nobody's going to say no to that, surely. Um, yeah, I guess the the only thing is it doesn't really leave you. I mean, unless you unless you really put over Bobby Lashley as a consequence of this match. And to your point, Matt, I'm not really sure they did give him where his, what his place was in the match graphic. Unless you're going to do that, then I guess it's fair to spend the equity of all these people watching on somebody that you are getting behind, i.e. John Cena in the main event. But at the same time, this was surely the reason it did 1.18 million pay-per-view buy rates. What did you think of the match, Alex? Do you know what? I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The match I thought was a bit shit. <laughs> but my, the other potential MVP was Vince McMahon. And I think Vince McMahon carries this entire match. Thought he was absolutely fantastic. And when it, when it started, I watched the video package. I was like, oh, I don't, I do not know about this at all. This at all, but I was sold. It's WrestleMania, just in a match, and it, it's just stupid, daft. But I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I, I think if it was just Bobby Lashley versus Umaga with none of the silliness around it, with the, I, I think it'd be really boring. Because I, I did think the match was boring, no matter how much Austin as the ref could try and save it. it for me, it was Vince that saved the match. I mean, he's he's fantastic anyway. And he, despite what people, you know, what you think of him, pers- you know, personally, but uh, in terms of his wrestling performances, it's just he's just brilliant. I wasn't a massive fan of Bobby Lashley. I think he's better now. I think he's miles better now than he was. I really liked Umaga though because I he used to um, I used to be quite terrified of him, which as a at the time, like I was like a young adult, uh, and I still was quite terrified. Thought he was quite intimidating. This massive, like, real monster heel. Um, and I thought he was fantastic. Shame, shame. Obviously, died quite young, thirty-six, I think it was, when he died. But yeah, I, I, I used to, yeah, I used to. I thought he was fantastic, Umaga. Yeah, but for me, it was all the Vince Shaw. Vince facials are spectacular. I loved it when he was uh, stood in front of Austin and he just reached around to feel the bo- his bald head at the back again when he's getting his his head shaved. Just brilliant uh, when he's running off or trying to crawl away. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was the Vince Shaw, and it made the match thoroughly more uh, entertaining for myself. Uh, a couple of notes with regards to a couple of things in the match. When Umaga flipped over the rope, God Almighty, it took the wind out of me. It was horrific. 
oh, I can't believe I missed this. Even the barbershop chair gets an entrance. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. The entrances here lasted about 20 minutes, longer than the match. The yeah. Here. Oh, it was ridiculous. When this chair was coming down and it had its own entrance, I thought, this is just stupid. But yeah, I, did, I, I didn't mind it. And then Donald Trump, I mean, he, he's a bit rubbish in it because all, all he says is shake it off, Bobby. That's all he says. That's all, <laughs> you can say. That's all he says for it, the old match. Shake it off, Bobby. Shake it off, Bobby. And I never ever thought that I'd think this because with regards to what you know people's personal lives I, I can always kind of separate it from the real life to kind of the en- entertaining world but I felt really uncomfortable when he was with, with all the ladies that were present obviously he comes down with a lady then there's the ladies at, at ringside and then there's a backstage segment before and yeah I felt really uncomfortable I never ever thought I'd, I'd be like that but I did feel really uncomfortable with that there was a mess up with the bell at the end i think the bell kind of rang uh, yeah before he counted you know before he counted three and i'll mention no i won't mention him my third potential mvp he, he's got i was going john cena but i've got a third potential mvp but i'm not going to mention him yet but yeah do you know what i loved it i loved it it was just absolutely stupid daft and it's all down to vince mcmahon if he were in it i wouldn't have loved it as much thought he was fantastic i am really tempted to change my mvp now <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got to shout out just one very quick thing as well because I totally forgot. JR on commentary calling him Vince McMadman. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the billionaire bitch slap as well in the video. Thought it was fantastic as well. <laughs> this comes out of straight out of for me the box marked Vince versus Shane. X-Pac versus Shane, Vince versus Shawn Michaels. No, I mean, not so much Shawn Michaels because it's a bit more of a different match. But basically, every shortcut under the sun. Actually, yes, yeah, Shawn Michaels, because he's got all the Shane McMahon stuff in there, haven't you, in WrestleMania 22. It comes out of that box. It's Vince McMahon's specialty, this. The the overbooked, nonsense, fun-filled match. Don't get me wrong. It's not as good as Vince versus Shawn Michaels. It's nowhere near as good as Vince versus Shane. But it's still really fun. You're right, Umaga and Lashley are pushed to the back. But in fairness, if they hadn't been, and I mean this in terms of the match itself, as you said, Alex, this wouldn't be this wouldn't be anywhere near as good. But Vince and Shane, even Donald Trump, you know, tackling Vince to the ground and that got the crowd off their feet. They loved it. You know, it was it was a big lift for them. Alex, you absolutely picked out my favourite bit, which is when Vince reaches around to touch his bald head. I just thought that was brilliant. And what I love most about it was that it felt like these two old rivals coming together one more time and this time it's not as serious anymore they're older they don't they're not intensely hate you haven't got this intense hatred for each other like they did during the monday night wars so it's a bit more comedic it's a bit more like funny and i just thought that was great i just thought it was a great way of presenting austin versus man again all these years later i just thought it was superb oh yeah i really liked it i thought it was really good uh, you know just a really fun match there's not a lot to dislike about it uh, you know i mean funnily enough i've got the cage match page open for wrestlemania 23 just for match times and whatnot but they also give the match ratings for each of the matches that have been voted for and this one got four out of ten it's got an average of 4.4 out of ten and i'm like that's, that's mad that's madness no. there must be some kind of you know oh god vince and donald trump i mean don't get me wrong no one no one on this podcast likes donald trump but it's not about him being president and being the dickhead that he would be and it'd be exposed to be during his run for presidency and then his presidency itself this is long before that and also that's nothing to do with this kind of entertainment spectacle this is a really fun match do you know i've missed out other things i'm missing out loads of stuff here but austin i mean he's always good anyway when he's when he's involved in something he's always i, mean, I would say he's always good at 
when he's involved as a referee, but the, the Brock Lesnar-Goldberg match from WrestleMania 20 with standing. But um, I love the, the 10 count as well, because <laughs> you, knew, you knew what was coming. You knew what he was going to do, but you were just waiting for it. And it, oh, it's just brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. But yeah, the, I, you know, I'm really tempted to say to be Peter Vince. Because I think without Vince, it's a crap match. I think I think Vince carries the entire match. I think I think without Vince is a crap match, but not for the same reason. I think without Vince is a crap match because it would then wouldn't have the Vince stamp on it. He wouldn't make sure it was a great match. Vince makes sure that anything that he's involved in is brilliant. That's what he does. Or, or if not brilliant, incredibly entertaining. Yeah. And that's why I go back to it again. I've spoken out a few times. The match against Bret Hart at WrestleMania 26, he wanted to that. be shit because he doesn't, nothing's ever shit. Vince McMahon doesn't make, when he's involved, it's yeah. not shit. And that was ab- so bad, I'm absolutely convinced he wanted it to be bad. Yeah. I am. I'm that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point. So my talking point, I'm not really sure what to, to go for, to be honest. I'm going to go for generally the build to this show. At least what we're shown on this broadcast. Because for me, I was like, what have they been doing for the last four months? I, I don't know. They don't seem to have been doing anything. No, nothing seems to have been built to. There doesn't seem to be any stories. I think, yeah, as I said, John Cena and Shawn Michaels seems to be based solely around the fact that John Cena, uh, John Cena and Shawn Michaels are a tag team. And at some point, Shawn Michaels is going to give him the super kick. I don't know why, but that's that's what it is. The Undertaker-Batista story didn't seem to be much of anything. The main story going in seemed to be the Trump and Vince McMahon stuff. And I just thought overall, I was like, what what have they been doing? I can't imagine what's been on Raw and SmackDown for the last three or four months because none of these matches seem to have any kind of real quality build to them. And again, I'm like, how have they do, how have they gone and done that 1.1 million pay-per-view buy rates? Because there's no way I'd have bought this show if I was watching it at the time. Because what 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 am I buying? A confrontation between Donald Trump and Vince Man. Now, some people might well be attracted to that, but it wouldn't have been even back then, it would not have been my idea of something that I would really be desperate to watch. Going back to the points we made many, many months ago about why would I go and watch, I don't know, an episode of Jackass or something just because a wrestler appeared on it that I liked when I don't like Jackass. I don't, I don't understand that concept. So it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a thing for me. But yeah, I just the build, just the build just seems so anemic. Maybe you guys can provide me with some context that I don't have because on the broadcast, I was like, what, what have they been doing? No, well, I mean, I, I had a look at the um, Wikipedia page and it seemed that all the build up for all the matches was like last minute or it appeared, it appeared to be last minute. And then again, it's funny you should say that. When was the Battle of the Billionaires first kind of teased? Because maybe that's why they did it, because they they didn't really have or they thought that they didn't have um, enough star power or enough big matches. So they thought that they'd go with the Battle of the Billionaires just to, to try and boost it up a bit. I don't know. I think it was after the Rumble that year. I can't remember exactly. Oh, so still, still quite a bit of time then. Yeah. But maybe that that was just, they, they thought that they had enough with that. So they didn't really bother with anything else, really. Well, that's just it. It, just, it did feel like they just, it felt like Batista wins the Rumble. He's going to face Undertaker. Sorry, Undertaker wins the Rumble, sorry. And, Batista, and he's going to face Batista. And that's it. Batista's not scared of him. Really generic build. Nothing really massive. Again, babyface, babyface, which makes it harder because you can't, neither can really be the antagonist or at least not enough 
because they don't actually want to turn them heel. And then, yeah, John Cena versus Shawn Michaels just felt even less. It just even felt even less of a thing. I, I just was Matt. Matt, did you do you uh, can you offer any explanation for what was going on? <laughs> Other than the fact that he did a really shitty job. Um, to, to be honest, in the months running up to this, it was all about Undertaker Batista versus Cena and Michaels. Um, there was a pay-per-view the month before where that was a tag match. And yeah. to be honest, it was just, even leading up to that, it was some combination of those four guys that they were just trying to put together and just, they dragged out the the taker choosing, you know, making his Royal Rumble choice for a while, which God bless them, but it was still hilarious to see, you know, Cena, uh, Batista and Lashley all there, you know, all raising their belts and that, and everyone was thinking, oh, poor Lashley. He ain't fucking, <laughs> fucking choosing that title, let's face it. <laughs> He's more so chance was, of choosing the Divas title than the oh, ECW one. Exactly. I mean, God bless him, but you, you can't fault them for effort. For, you know, it would have done more harm than good if they left him out of that, to be fair. But yeah, they dragged that out for a while. Then, like I said, they tried putting him in a tag team match. And, yeah, the the best built match on this show was Batista and Undertaker. And then, you know, like I said, you know, the, the only other sort of closest thing they had to a long-term storyline was, well, going back a couple of months prior, was rated RKO versus DX. And they tried to ride Shawn Michaels' momentum into that. I might, I might be just, like, guessing here. So the year after is Cena, Triple H and Orton. Yeah. Oh no, right, forget it. I was going to say it was Michael's injured, but he wrestled Flair, done he? I'm thinking if they were going to go for the triple threat the year after, because he beat Triple H in the main event, beat Shawn Michaels in the main event, and then maybe the triple threat. But yeah, forget it. I don't think but, they, I don't think they would have gone for seeing the Triple H and Michaels into a threat in the WrestleMania because it would have been too much of a close approximation to the Benoit match at WrestleMania 20. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. It just feels. I, I mean, if I saw that match on the billing somewhere, I'd be like, what a completely uninspiring choice for a main event really yeah I don't, yeah i, I just i just I mean, first of all i hate well i don't hate but i really have a philosophical problem with multi-way matches i just think that they are not they don't captivate people they're not the dramatic thing that people want to see the people people want to see one-on-one ultimately most popular guy in the company against most hated guy in the company that's what wrestlemania main event should be Every single year. I don't care what anyone says. That's what it should be. That's why every pay-per-view should try and get to in some way. At least a babyface and a heel in a major match against one another one-on-one. But as I say, having already done Shawn Michaels and Triple H against someone else, to then put the two of them again together against one another with someone else, well, it just felt even more uninspiring. Just nothing about that appeals to me at all. I suppose it would have been a bit, the dynamic would have been a different. Obviously, Triple H and Shawn Michaels were on the same team, and which they did it at the Survivor Series. Well, we'll have to look that up because I can't remember whether it was before or after, but they definitely did it at Survivor Series. Well, you raise another problem for me with the whole DX thing is that these guys were in a feud from 2002 to 2004. During that time, Triple H on Shawn Michaels' return match attempt, effectively attempted to basically cripple him for life. And then like a, a year and a half later, best mates again, mate. Best, game, best mates. Oh, what's that? <laughs> yeah. That's just shit. Yeah. Like, there's got to be a longer gap. <laughs> no, no, that's the problem. People saying that's wrestling is the problem here. It shouldn't be. It should not be. And it, and it never was wrestling. It's just that's what happens in... Uh, uh, in a time when everything's sped up and we've, people just don't have the time to think about how do I get from A to B without looking stupid and for me if you're going to do it fine but at least give it four or five years not 18 months because that's just silly he's all about forgiveness Sean Michaels <laughs> I didn't mind how they got together DX after that because it, it, there were so well they were sowing the seeds at WrestleMania 22 which you covered and it was 
it was a case of kind of Vince McMahon had, was feuding with Shawn Michaels and then started feuding with Triple H. And it was one of them where they thought, look, we need we need to come come together to beat him type thing. So I actually, I, I agree with what you're saying. I do agree with what you say, but I actually didn't mind them when they come together. I mean, and I think I'm think... one of the few people that quite like that DX one. I think it's been slated, but I quite, I quite liked it. Well, don't, don't I forget, I wasn't watching it. at the time, so I didn't see how they came together. It's just the premise <laughs> That they could yeah. come together after 18 months just feels ridiculous to me. Yeah. In all fairness, the the, the bill, yeah, I, I I gotta give him credit for that at least. The, the build for Michaels and Triple H finally reunited was expert. Yeah, it was. Was, it was so well done. Like to this day, the pop where you know Michaels eventually comes and they reunite. You know, they get in each other's faces and then they do the hug. That's from, that's I can hear that now. That's one of the loudest pops I've ever heard on a wrestling show. That's still one of my top five. That that was done tremendously well. It, it's yeah. a shame that the DX run ended up as a massive pile of shit. Sorry, Alex. No, I I can't I can't see you probably enjoying that. Ben, so, just something. Well, how long was how long was Triple H out for? Um, he came back at so that January to the summer. Yeah, he was back at SummerSlam because he faced Booker T. So basically what we're saying is that they were together for, what, six months? Then they, then Triple H got injured. And I think, they did they get back together after that? I, I think they back? did periodically yeah. after that. They just, every now and again, it just became that every now and again, they wanted a ratings bump. Hey, let's put them together for a reunion yeah. show. Okay. Anyway, so the, for me, the bill was bad. Partially, I'm sure that was down to Triple H's injury and they probably had some other things planned at the time. And that's why I was interested to know what potentially was going to be here. I'm glad that he got injured if Triple H versus John Cena 2 was what was going to be the main event, because I didn't <laughs> want to see that. And that's even less inspiring yeah. to me, to be honest, than that trouble frat match you mentioned earlier on. So, yeah, didn't want that. Do you know, very quickly touching on that, because I was thinking about this earlier, and genuinely how different things could have been, because I've no doubt if Triple H, they, they, you know, if they did Triple H Cena 2, Triple H was winning. No doubt about that in my mind. And I, I don't know if, if maybe that might have taken some momentum from him. I, I don't know. Maybe it would have. So things could have been different. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, interesting. Maybe And also maybe this is Triple H, his attempt at getting a second babyface run on top. Because obviously his first one was a washout pretty much. Mm. Okay, so that's all the talking points. Let's go back to the start of the show and start to mop everything else up. To start, we get all of the logos and a lovely little quick fire here we go here's all the wrestlemania logos lovely uh then the wrestlemania 23 tagline all grown up as they return to detroit after 20 years again well paper over the fact that they were in pontiac the pre- previous time never mind it's all right then vince from 20 years ago at wrestlemania 3 introduces aretha franklin as if he's doing it again here at wrestlemania 23 and here is my mvp the person who came up with the idea to do that in the first place because that was <laughs> fucking brilliant i love that uh because also let's let's be fair vince mcmahon when he did introduce aretha at wrestlemania 3 was in- insanely good in the way he did it oh here yeah, they just reused it they didn't they thought you know we're not gonna have howard finkel or lillian garcia or tony chimmel or some other loser or even vince himself tried to recreate the moment or just have vince from wrestlemania 3 do it again it's wonderful so whoever came up with the idea to do that is my mvp of the show absolutely phenomenal loved it yeah i've got the same no i thought it was fantastic that i thought it was absolutely brilliant and then Aretha Franklin does her second rendition of America Beautiful. Good. I thought it was good. Not as good as the original one. The, the piano was a bit more, what's the word, shiny and a bit more kind of well-produced than it was at WrestleMania 3, which was a shame because the the, the the sort of jingle jangle piano that she had that you could barely hear at WrestleMania 3 was, it was something more something more romantic about it than, than this. Um, but still good. Still, still a good rendition. Yeah, I thought, 
I didn't think it. Yeah, I didn't think it was as good as the WrestleMania three at, at, at the start. But then when it kicked in, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. Like you know where the crowd kicked in and it, you know, she got up off the stool and love it. I thought it was amazing when that happened. But yeah, beforehand, I, yeah, it was a bit, a bit funny. Well, I, I quite enjoyed the, the the shiny piano in this. I gotta be honest. Aretha Franklin was the in rest, the year she did WrestleMania three, America the Beautiful. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the same year alongside Bo Diddley, Eddie Cochran, The Coasters, Marvin Gaye, Bill Haley, B.B. King, Clyde McFatter, Ricky Nelson, Roy Orbison, Carl Perkins, Smokey Robinson, Big Joe Turner, Muddy Waters, and Jackie Wilson. And decent decent list there, no doubt about that. Mm. Uh, but I think it must have been America the Beautiful that sealed it for her, the, uh, the induction, I would think. <laughs> Uh, got to be on it. Then the WrestleMania intro video, the all grown up thing is already wearing thin. I've written mm. on this bit, and we're, we're only into the intro video. Our commentators for the night are Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on Raw, Michael Cole and JBL on SmackDown, Joey Styles and Taz on ECW, breaking a three year string of six man team that we had at WrestleMania's 2021 20, and 22. No room for the Spanish announce tables in this lineup, apparently. And Taz has been demoted to ECW. Poor lad. Mm. And uh, my, Michael Cole looks like a musketeer with his dirt, <laughs> with his dirty goatee that he's got going yeah. on. D'Artagnan. Yeah, yeah. Filthy. <laughs> Uh, then we got our first match of the night, which is the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match featuring Jeff Hardy, King Booker, Finley, CM Punk, Mr. Kennedy, Matt Hardy, Randy Orton and Edge. A near 20 minute match, which ends when somebody wins. Kennedy wins. That's right. Yeah. Kennedy, arrives. Kennedy arrives, climbs up the ladder and does something. What does he do? Uh, he, he, the knocks, he knocks somebody off the ladder. He though, pushes CM Punk off. He hits, yeah, he hits CM Punk with a ladder, yeah. like a javelin type thing. That's the one. And then, uh, yeah, and then he wins for perhaps the worst Money in the Bank winner at WrestleMania. Certainly, I would suggest there's ever been. I might even go further and say the worst ever. I quite like Otis. So, Matt, what did you think of this one? Ah, uh, poor Mr. Kennedy. What, what, what could have been? You know, it was, it was really funny looking back at this because, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't say that I've seen that much of him, <laughs> you know, over however many years it's been since he was there. But God, he was a great entrance. If nothing else. He was a spectacular entrance. That no, no, Matt, Matt, you, you've just summed it up. Nothing else. <laughs> I, I know. And to I be know. honest, I don't even like the entrance very much, but <laughs> there is nothing else about him. Oh, that's such a good He's entrance. Got- he hasn't got a look. He hasn't got a body. He hasn't got a particularly good in-ring skill set. I, I just don't understand why anyone thought this guy was destined for stardom. I think Alex disagrees, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> Well, he had the he had the gift of the gab. He, he definitely he could say his name. Nah, <laughs> twice. <laughs> Nobody else said it I, twice that good. <laughs> I'll 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 step in now. No, I'm not. I'm not a you know I'm not a Mr Kennedy fan. But he does ooze charisma. He does ooze charisma. And I can understand, and, and he's over. He is over, and I can understand why he won it. I can understand why they wanted to push him. Uh, I thought his promo after the match was pretty decent. Pretty decent talker. Not the best in the ring, fair enough. But he was over, and you've got to push. You know, and at least they're pushing the people who are over, which in the you know after this doesn't really happen that much. So yeah, I, I think he he's got something. After this, it didn't happen much because Mr. Kennedy was such a flop. They decided we're not doing that yeah. again. Fuck off. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you insult the great Mr. Kennedy? Anyway, aside from his spectacular entrance, again, mentioned it earlier on, so I'm not going to go into too much detail of it again, but Orton and Edge 
tremendously wasted, but whatever. Match-wise, this was actually one of the better Money in the Bank ladder matches because I feel that they used everybody to pretty much their best of, the best of their potential in a couple of cool sort of sequences. Probably the one thing that really does spring to mind is Randy Orton RKOing the world. I mean, who didn't he hit with a spectacular fucking RKO in this? I mean, my God, everybody got one. So for, you know, props to him for that. That was really You're- great. You're a big fan of the RKO, aren't you, Matt? I love the RKO. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. I don't mind it, but I'm, you know, I, I don't go mad for it. But I can tell because you've said it a number of times. You love the RKO. It's just it's such a when it's when it's done right. It, God, it's such a good looking move. I mean, there's so many really good ones. But like I said, in this, it was just oh, left and right, everybody getting it. Yes, loved it. What else we got? So, like I said, there was that, and um, you know, even Booker T had some good stuff in here. He managed to do a WrestleMania spinner Rooney, which was cool. I, oh, I, he's a heel. He shouldn't be doing it. He's a heel. He shouldn't be doing the spinner Rooney. He's a heel. He should seize it and not do it. That pissed me off. That's one of me. <laughs> that's one of my pet hates. He's a heel. So why is he doing a spinner Rooney? I, I think Alex, I would ordinarily agree with you, but I just love Booker T so much. He can't do anything wrong for me. To love him. He's an absolute I, lad. I briefly, I briefly forgot about the whole King Booker stuff. Well, so the- well I, I say he's a lad. He's a rubbish commentator and an even worse podcaster. But I do love <laughs> his in. I do love him as a wrestler. Absolutely yeah. love his wrestling. Right. And his King Booker stick was pretty great. To be fair to him, so yeah, like you said. So there was that. You know, uh, Finley got a couple of good stuff in there, which was great. Doing <laughs> the Jeff Hardy death leap off the ladder, which. Uh, as as cool as that was, it's one of those things that I kind of wish they they didn't do because obviously in you know in hindsight that tended to start the craze of well we you know because they you know God forbid they keep raising the bar every ladder batch now we have to snap a ladder in half it's I mean it was inevitable that it was going to happen I suppose but I kind of wish that they didn't do it but whatever Edge suplex Matt onto a ladder and Matt Hardy onto a ladder at one point which was only like a small thing but for me it was like ah didn't like that. One nice little touch that I thought was actually pretty good, um, considering that ECW was absolute mud in terms of a brand and the letters at this point. Um, CM Punk representing that brand did the Terry Funk sort of um, ladder head spin. So put it on his head, spun round to hit people, which was a nod back to Bailey Legal, their first pay-per-view. So fair play to him. I thought, you know that's that's a nice little nod there, considering that nobody gives a shit about ECW anymore. But good for you for trying. Booker T hit a bookend to Randy Orton off a ladder, which again I thought was fucking awesome. Um, hell, even Hornswoggle got involved, climbed up a you know a mini ladder they had. That was funny. Yeah, like I said, this this was good. Everybody got a chance to do their thing. Yeah, you know, obviously we mentioned the winner. Hindsight, whoops, what happened there? But yeah, this this was good. And although the, the one thing that I found quite funny is how long. This must have been the longest opening match in WrestleMania history. I, you know, if you have the stats there, Ben, let me know. But this must have been one of the longest openers. It couldn't have been as long as Bretton Owen. It just couldn't have been. Yeah, well, look, it's a Money in the Bank ladder match. I love Money in the Bank ladder matches. Even the, <laughs> the shittest ones are entertaining. They're like Battle Royals. You, I, I entertain watching them. Do you know what as well? I love that it was the opener. And I think they should just go back to doing it at WrestleMania and, and instead of having a pay-per-view. Personally, I just think they should just do it back to WrestleMania. But um, I didn't know anyone who was going in it. So I'm watching it and then all these people come out. And I think when Edge come out, I was like, this is just stacked. It's just stacked with people. At the Hardy, Bro- Hardy Brothers, Mr. Kennedy at the time Kennedy. it was over. King Booker, Randy Orton, Edge, brilliant. Uh, CM Punk, when he come out, he just looked like a bit of a dweeb, actually. He, he was a bit shitter than I remember. Um, I always, I've always been a fan of CM Punk. You mean star, right? Not not recently. 
his WWE days have always been a bit of a fan, but he just looked a bit out of place with these people, which was quite bizarre to see. You're talking about the big ladder spot, and you think that that was the most dangerous spot of the match, do you think? Yeah, probably, yeah. Doesn't come close to someone launching a stepladder at CM Punk's head, which I thought was absolutely disgusting. And then they showed the replay after that. I was like, no, don't want to see that. And it, it goes back to the pile driver on the steps thing. I think it's just heads. I think obviously what people know now, and again, I said it on the WrestleMania 15, when I watched this at the time, I probably thought, that's it, that's awesome. But now I'm all grown up. <laughs> and, uh, when it happened, I just hated it. I absolutely hated it. I thought there was no need for it. Just, I just thought it was disgusting. And then a couple of my pet hates, I've already named the Spinner Rooney, just shouldn't do it. Tease it and then not do it. It's probably the only good thing about Baron Corbin because he does things like that where he'll get tables out and then just chuck them away when people, when the fans want it. And the other thing that I really hate about ladder matches is when they piss about positioning the ladder. You know, they, they like set it up and then they're looking and, and they think, nah, it, it just, that takes me out there out of the match. But it's a money in the bank match. So I, yeah, I loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Great opener, hectic, spot filled, loads of star power. And for me, should be the opener. For every man of every mania. For me, this was the the first of the Money in the Bank ladder matches where I felt like we were getting to the oh, it's the Money in the Bank ladder match. But I didn't particularly think it was that great, to be honest. I thought it was I thought it was fine. You know, I, I didn't again didn't dislike it at all. Thought it was decent enough. But it just what it wasn't didn't feel special for me anymore. And the first two, I felt they they did something a little bit different with both of them. This one, yeah, it's, it's starting to become oh, it's that oh, it's the Money in the Bank. Okay, great. So what I've written here. Jeff look a, looked a prat coming to the ring. He's doing his silly bloody dance again. Isn't yeah. he? And I'm sorry, but yeah, Matt's doing it now on the video. Uh, either it's not aged well at all, or we were all idiots <laughs> in 2007, because fucking hell, he looks stupid. On the contrary, Booker T was brilliant coming to the ring. because He's just <laughs> he a fucking legend. He's just an absolute legend. And then I've got a note. I can't remember what it was, but Kenny's music is fucking terrible. I don't know what it was, but it's absolutely awful. Those were, that was the main notes. After that, I was with you both. It's interesting you both noted the dangerousness of this match. I thought it was really dangerous. I thought that the spot with Jeff coming off the ladder was pretty fucking dangerous, given that not for him, but for Edge. Edge yeah. took that fucking thing right in his ribs, and I thought that is just stupid. They've just they've just gone way too far with that one. And you're right, CM Punk getting thrown the little ladder at him was just stupid. The suplex on the on the ladder was stupid. I just thought these spots this year they were just trying to go a little bit further, and I just thought, nah, sorry, no no need for it. When you can do what you did in the Bobby Lashley Maga match. There's absolutely no need for that in, the, in any match ever. The other one I forgot about it that I, that was ridiculously dangerous was the the, the bump that Hornswoggle took uh, mm. with the was, was it not sent on what was the, it that he did Kennedy sort of yeah roll well, yeah or Jeff yeah Valley that, driver yeah that yeah. thing yeah ridiculous. There was one other thing I wanted to say, and I can't remember what it was now, so I don't think we will worry about that at all because it's completely gone out of my head. No, just not not for me this one. Uh, it was it was fine. It just wasn't it just wasn't that that great. Right. I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there. We'll take a break and we will come back and cover the rest of WrestleMania 23. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, handsome son of a bitch. Hi, Pop. <laughs> I wish you luck in your match tonight. <laughs> Well, what do we have here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell did you do, bring this baby in? Bring my granddaughter in here like this. Huh? What? No, you just leave her right here. I want some good luck and maybe she can give it to me. Okay, relax. Okay? Coo, 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 coo. 
pop, 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 I'm going to bash Donald Trump's head in. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And the other thing I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a skull fracture. How's that, huh? You'd like pops to do that? Give a skull fracture? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Easy I'm going to bloody him up. Okay. I'm going to bloody him up big time. And I'm going to shave his head bald. And I'm going to pull it out by the roots and be like, that, that a girl. <laughs> Smell what I smell. Smell. She just took a trump. Okay, welcome back to the show. We are covering WrestleMania 23, as you will know if you've listened to the first half of this. If you haven't listened to the first half and skipped an hour into the pod, then I don't know I don't know what you've done there. That's a very strange way of listening, but hell, it's the kind of thing that I would expect the polar bear to do. It's so strange, but all power <laughs> to you. Just before we get going as well, a little bit of a plug. Uh, we obviously can be found at RWR Pod UK on Twitter. Uh, I can be found at Tink Holloway. Alex can be found at Rockstar Kirky, and Matt can be found at Matt Rob 90 but that's Matt with one t for some strange reason i don't know why because i was a twat when i came up with the handle not just when you came up with a handle <laughs> hey if, if you if you want some fantastic music recommendations follow me on twitter <laughs> after the money in the back ladder match we get footage of the premiere of the condemn with wwe superstars giving it the hard sell was this a wwe studios presentation yeah there you go no wonder have you seen I, have, it? I think i have seen this one or at least i've seen bits of it i don't know I, I feel like i'm familiar with it it might just be that i know that it's basically battle royale and mm. i've seen battle royale so maybe it's just that i've seen it it's, it's pretty good actually i mean i'm very easily pleased with films because I, 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 <laughs> well so with a film like that i'll go in thinking right this is just going to be a shit action film that's just going to be mind-numbingly mind-numbing so i always enjoy it if i go in with low expectations to meet the expectations but it's all right it's all right mind-numbingly mind-numbing see that's yeah, the kind mind of num- uh, mind-numbingly mind-numbing that's the kind of analysis we have you on for alex <laughs> that kind of, uh... you know what? in all fairness I, I think stone cold has found his niche over the last couple of years like he, i think you'll be the first to admit that he's not he's just not the best actor but you know as like a reality show host you know occasional guest host for stuff that's the type of role he fits in and he's, he fits into it quite well i think so he's found his niche now then we have todd grisham with mr kennedy mr kennedy would like to congratulate himself sends message to champions that they need to grow eyes in the back of their head he says nice guys finish last and thank god he's not a nice guy i mean i don't know what you're talking about but there's no charisma here. i just i just don't get it i just don't see it and on top of that he's got a stupid fucking tattoo as well hasn't he oh he's just terrible in every way mr kennedy yeah like i don't get it what's wrong with the tattoo oh it's fucking horrible it's like a proper <laughs> like oh no it's not on it's just not right then we get batista's all grown up video this will be a theme of the rest of the show and that is before the match that we're all 
looking forward to. It's the great Carly against Kane. Five and a half minutes, which is won by Carly when he pins Kane with one foot on his chest after a choke bomb. Alex, you in our WhatsApp chat suggested this would be your match of the night. We now know that it wasn't because Shawn Michaels versus John Cena took that honour. So how did you feel about it? So I was actually going to try and do a little bit of a, a swerve and try and convince you that this was my match of the night <laughs> but I, you just can't it's it was absolute balls i hate big men wrestlers anyway i hate great carly not interested in kane either to be honest with you it was slow boring the crowd are quiet they're mad asked about it i mean carly getting trapped in the ropes yet yeah, the old big man getting trapped in the rope spot that made an, an appearance boring i put carly trying to balance was quite funny the hook making an appearance, I think that was the from See No Evil, the, the film that Kane was in. And then they're, they're making this massive deal about Kane slamming Great Carly at Shades of WrestleMania 3. No, it, it, not at all. Not at all. It's terrible. Terrible. And they make a big deal of it in the match. They make a big deal of it on Wikipedia. But do you know where else they make a big deal of it? Yeah. <laughs> in the 35 years of WrestleMania book. Oh, yeah. Because they talk about it in that as well. Oh, he's bought it. He's bought it special. <laughs> wow. I need. I needed a new. Dump you make too book much money, the, whatever you do for a living. I needed a new dump book for the toilet, so I thought, do you know what? I'm sick of playing Candy Crush on the toilet, so I'll I'll buy the uh, I'll buy the book. But yeah, they make a big deal of it in that as well. Where is it now? I can't be asked looking at it. shit. It was crap match. Terrible. Can't be asked. Uh, yeah, awful crap. I tell you what, they, what they, what is quite impressive. I mean, I don't know if whoever bought me this boy knew, but it does look new, and I got it. And it's quite, a, quite a heavy things, quite big, mm. quite, like quite a lot of pages. It is really not like good quality paper. It's really nice. Eighteen quid actually isn't bad. I think that I was expecting when I looked at, when I was looking at the price, I was like, this is going to be like twenty five, thirty quid. This thing, I imagine, thirty five quid in fact, just to go in ha- one one pound for every year, maybe. But mm. no, so I was actually that's not reason. That's a reasonable price for mm. the quality of production, not necessarily the quality of content yeah it's all right i I bought it to read on the toilet so i mean you can't Can't argue with that (laughs) yeah you can't argue with that matt what did you think i know that this is right down your street (laughs) well a little bit of trivia um but before we get to the match actually the reason that they made such a big deal of kane slamming um carly is because they were yeah they they were trying to recreate the you know the hogan andre thing and they actually tried the the original match was meant to be hulk hogan versus the big show they did try to make that match now i can't remember why it didn't happen i'm sure they i'm sure and they ended up wrestling in some form of indie show actually not too long after which was bizarre but they tried to get hogan for the show so they could recreate that, but it didn't happen. But th- that's the whole point of, of why they did this, was so they could recreate that. And, and the only other reason this match had any reason to exist was to give John Cena somebody to face over the summer, uh, which is why Carly won. I mean, I, I completely forgot that he won off that god-awful tree slam crap that he does. This was bloody awful. Carly, was even then, was just too slow. Couldn't really do anything. At least later on, they had the decency to give him like that claw finish, which was actually okay and suited him. That's what they should have done here. But And, and it would have been rather hilarious to see him squeeze the shit out of Kane's skull. But apparently not. Not a good match. Don't bother with it. <laughs> it is the great Carly versus Kane. I mean, it is exactly what it says on the tin. A guy who can't wrestle against a cunt. So, you know, what do you expect? expect to get out of it the aftermatch sees Kirk Carly choke Kane with a chain that's it that's the whole thing I'm not even going to talk about it anymore it's shit it's just shit 
And you know what? I don't think Hulk Hogan versus Big Show would have been any better, quite frankly, in 2007. And, and probably that would have lasted a good 10 minutes. So we can be thankful for some small mercies. Do you know what? They had Randy Orton and Edge in that Money in the Bank match. And they were they, they were teasing the split of RKO leading up to that. Do you know what? Put them in a match here. It'd have been miles better than this shit. It might, miles better. Going on about this WrestleMania 3. Like, it, it would only be as impressive if it was Great Cali versus Hornswoggle. And he slammed him. That would have been, yeah, fine. No problem with that. I'd have been brilliant. That's a WrestleMania moment. But that, no, it was absolutely shit. So then we had the Divas All Grown Up video. Yay. These All Grown Up videos are fucking right. shit, by the way. Well, I've got a note about this one. So they were talking about having a label versus being called Prima Donnas and Brats. Well, apparently Divas are right. Divas fine, but Prima Donna and Brat isn't. Yes, it's always yeah. always been something I've had I've had a problem with when they like they say there's like a positive term because who the fuck has ever thought of diva as a positive yeah, yeah. word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also these are shit. The all grown up videos are just shit. They they they're trying to create some reason for the all grown up thing to even exist, and it just doesn't work. It's just rubbish. This is something that they should just use on the house shows. This would be great for the house show loop. You know, just put put this on repeat. All the kids, oh, look, yeah, I can do that. That'd be, mm. that'd be ideal for it. <laughs> there is one that's all right, though. Well, we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know when it's coming because they're all shit, but we'll get to it. <laughs> well. um, so then we get members of the Detroit Tri- Tigers shown in the crowd. Don't know anything about that. Then we have Chris Benoit versus MVP US title match. This one is a nine and a half minute nearly match. And Benoit hits a flying headbutt for the three count to defend successfully the title. Matt, what did you think of this one? You want to talk about two guys fighting? This was it. This was actually really good. And I don't really remember it being very good, to be honest. And it actually surprised me with how good I actually thought it was. Now saying that, I should probably drop it down just a little bit. Because it, it was good. I, I don't want to give the impression that this was a technical masterpiece or anything like that. But this was actually, I, I enjoyed this. It, it definitely was quite, it was done very well. Um, MVP trying to like, sort of out-wrestle him early on, I, I thought was a really nice touch. And in all fairness, considering I felt they both worked their asses off, I felt that they should have had a little bit more respect from the crowd. The crowd really didn't give a shit. If I'm being honest, uh, they were quite dead for this. And I didn't feel that was overly fair because I thought they worked really hard and, and, and earned a little bit more than they were than they were getting back. But the only thing that, that I didn't really like is I, you know, I actually felt the finish was a little bit flat. And only because I can't remember the last time I saw somebody pinned by the headbutt. But, you know, saying that, that's probably a good thing as well, because at least it does keep it as a viable finish. So perhaps I should shut the hell up. Yeah, I, I would have I would have even enjoyed a couple more minutes. I loved, and particularly at this time, I was a huge fan of MVP. If there was a guy that, that I wanted to see be in the Money in the Bank and win the Money in the Bank briefcase, MVP would have been my pick. I thought he was fantastic. I loved his gimmick. And, and I still think he's one of the one of those guys who never hit the career high that he ultimately deserved to, which is a, a crying shame. But considering the spot this you know the spot this was on in the card, I thought this was pretty good. Can someone explain to me what MVP's gimmick is? Yeah. Well, but, uh, MVP was Montel Vontavious Porter. Basically, bit. he was he was a he was a rich guy. He was a real rich guy who was better than you. Uh, he has all this money, throws it around, wears cool suits, likes basketball, which is why he does the the ball in reference. He drops the elbow. 
Yeah, he's, he's, he's cool. He's I love cool I love Dalek's facial expression, and he just like shook his head and was like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but it's it's no, it, it, yeah, it's it's the same thing as he shouldn't be doing the balling. He's a heel, shouldn't be doing it. No, that's that, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the problem, man. You shouldn't love it, should you? Because he's a heel. Yeah, but it's it's cool to like the bad guys. That's a whole conversation in itself. I would suggest. <laughs> yeah, and I love these Power Ranger type outfits. Ugh, Power Rangers. Oh, don't start. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't like them. Uh, I'm, you don't like Power Rangers, do you? Yeah. No. Fucking hell. It's morphing time! Oh, God. <laughs> Triceratops! Uh, what, 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 what's, what's Alex tries to recover from, from, from the Power Rangers nonsense? I, I'll give you my opinion on this match, shall I? Boring. Completely bored. They weren't interested at all. I got like two minutes into it. I was like, this is rubbish. Not, don't care. Just don't care about these two. I don't care about Benoit by this point, especially, you know, forget what it goes on to do, obviously. I just don't care. They never did really invest in him emotionally. But by this point, he's, all, he's also past his best. He's no longer a particularly great wrestler. He's no longer competing at the top of the card. He's just, it's like a bit like, why is he still hanging around? Like, and why is he getting a singles match on WrestleMania? And why is MVP getting a singles match at WrestleMania when Randy Orton and Edge haven't got one? It was it was okay, but it, it just was completely forgettable. I, I thought it was pretty decent. It was it it was miles better than I thought it was going to be. I haven't spoken about Chris Benoit on the pod yet. Obviously, that aside, what he did, horrific. But I was never a fan of him either. I, I always used to think he was boring. I never really got it at all. But I'm I'm the same. I can kind of watch Chris Benoit matches and separate the person from the wrestler. But and again, I didn't think that I would ever feel like this. But when the when he was headbutting and they were grappling on the floor, it made me feel really uncomfortable watching it uh, because I kind of was thinking and. Again, this might you'd say really awful. I was kind of thinking, I wonder if that's you know that's what he did. And yeah, so it made me feel really, really, really uncomfortable watching. I never thought I'd, I'd say that because I like I say I'm quite good at separating. But I didn't expect to enjoy it, and I did quite enjoy it. It was all right. MVP looked amazing. I was a fan of MVP as well. Presentation was just fantastic. Oozing charisma, a bit similar to Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> uh, maybe we should be called MVP P. Anyway, <laughs> MVP P. Anyway, balling again, heel should not do it. But this is the first time I noticed what was potentially my third MVP of the night. And it's not MVP, but have a guess who you think it is. And you see him throughout the show. And it's the guy on the front row with the bright pink. pink. Yeah. Oh Oh. my God. He was amazing. I've put that here. Guy in the front row with a pink shirt is having a great time, applauding everything. Misses in fluorescent green. And I've made low. Of points about him throughout the night. So this guy is on loads of shows, and so is so's, so's his missus. Yeah, loads. Like I've since I was about since I was about twelve years old, I've known noticed this guy in the crowd. Obviously, he, that's why he wears the fluorescent pink to stand out, so you can see them. He's got bald head, fluorescent pink yeah. top. He's on loads of shows. Not usually, oh. not usually dead center in on the hard cam. Don't get me wrong, where he is here, but he is on loads of shows of history. He might even be at WrestleMania ten from memory he's on loads and loads and loads of shows i did remember his name i even found him on twitter actually once and i can't find him again now do you know what i cannot remember seeing him before but i'll see him every time now if i watch but he was loving life he was absolutely loving it and i was going to mention on the battle of the billionaires one but i thought i'll wait until he actually mentioned him guy in the pink shirt pointing to vince when he'd lost like giving like giving him loads of shit oh he was brilliant and i was so tempted i was tempted to give him mvp as well anyway after all the excitement about the pink shirt guy because i was very happy that you picked him up because i forgotten to mention him and i said i've seen him so many shows we then get the undertaker's all grown up video because of fuck 
Then Donald Trump backstage with former Mrs. USA. Uh, this this was a little bit uncomfortable, definitely. Trump on the phone complaining to someone, and then the boogeyman emerges, Matt's favourite, from behind the couch. But Trump no-sells and tells him to get him some food. Trump says, what a place this is. Ah, ha, ha. This wasn't funny. I'm with you on this one, Matt. Then we get the 2007 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony highlights. This class is the Sheik, Nick Bockwinkle, Mr. Fuji, Jim Ross, Kurt Hennig, Jerry Lawler, Dusty Rhodes, and the Wild Samoans. Lillian Garcia announces a new forward-filled record of 80,603 in attendance. And then Lillian passes the mic to Howard Finkel, who introduces the 2007 Hall of Fame class for the live crowd. Anything you want to pick out about all that stuff? I just wanted to ask you a quick question, if I may. What do you think of the Hall of Fame? What do you guys think of the Hall of Fame? Uh, not against it or for it. It's fine. I think mm. I, I always wished it had been more. There'd been some criteria. I think that's the thing for me. If they if they add like a big old panel like they do with all the Amer- American sports, they had a big old panel of former wrestlers, commentators, maybe some journalists and managers and whatnot, and they put in a private ballot, and then there's certain criteria for those that got onto the ballot in the first place, and then a criteria for inclusion into you know being inducted. That would be the way to do it in my view. The fact that it's just on a whim, Vince McMahon, and probably going forward triple h and stephanie choosing people out of thin air going this could this person goes in this person goes in just it just devalues it from being something that's actually really a worth not worthwhile that's not right but a a prestigious thing it's effectively a personal thank you from vince man not a barometer of importance to the business yeah see that's what i quite like about it the example that i'm going to pick out is not in this class but in another one is Coco Beware because I love the Hall of Fame and I love watching it and I love listening to the stories and I love listening to the speeches and the reason why I pick out Coco Beware is Coco Beware was never going to do anything in the wrestling like you know in terms of WWF didn't win like wasn't going to be world champion didn't have a shot at intercontinental champion or anything like that but again did his bit for the business and I thought that putting him in the Hall of Fame it gives him is 15 minutes of fame where it's just all about him that 15 minutes on the stage where he's chatting and it's you, you forget about your world heavyweight champions you forget about your main event in that Hall of Fame that 15 minutes is just for him as if a personal thank you to say do you know what thank you very much for it for, for stuff that you've done and that's what I quite like about it it makes me feel nostalgic and it gives people like that their 15 minutes of proper fame where it's just solely about them that's what I like about it <laughs> yeah I mean I, I don't I, as I said I don't dislike it I just I just think it could be more. I think it just could mean more. And it just, it, it doesn't mean, and in my view, it doesn't mean very much. But if they did it like that, then people like Coco Beware won't get their 50 that's minutes. True. That's what, that's do you true. know what I mean? That's and why. You use when I come in like a right old miserable bastard. <sighs> do you know, there's no way you can say it without sounding like a dick. So I'm just going to say it anyway. And, and I've said it before, not everybody should be in the Hall of Fame. I've said it before, not everybody can be WWE champion. It's a, it's a cold, hard fact. Not everybody can be at the top. Not ev- not everybody's gonna have a follow a Hall of Fame worthy career, and I'm sorry that sucks. That's <laughs> a fact of life. I don't like the fact that Rikishi I'll use a- as an example because that was one that particularly for me I was like. I'm not so sure about that. It is not somebody that that I would think of as when you think of Hall of Fame worthy. I'd like the Hall of Fame to to mean a little bit more. 
personally than than what it currently is because when you get guys going in like and i was going to mention a quick thing on i I thoroughly enjoyed like i went out of my way that year to watch uh, jim ross's speech and loved it you know when when you see guys who i think really really have you know fuck it have really earned it and should be in it it's a pleasure to watch and yeah i'd like the whole thing to to be you know to mean a little bit more so yeah again guys like coco beware sorry by all means give him give him a thank you somehow send him a gift card give him some flowers do whatever the fuck you want but hall of fame piss off mate <laughs> i mean i just think that everything in wrestling could be better with more organization and you know there used to be on uh, there may be on and uh, there may have been on many soaps and there may still be but on these standards there used to be in the writing team somebody whose job it was just to remember the little details i.e oh it was ian bill's birthday in january don't make his birthday in november next year it's in january and that's what they used to do is we understand remember all the little details so that the continuity would still make sense over time i don't think i would imagine that doesn't exist anymore because people don't care about this kind of stuff anymore but that's what they had wrestling could should in my opinion have someone who does the same who 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 retains that kind of position so for me you know you've got so much time on television and you you have have done for years now that for example with someone like coco beware or you know somebody else maybe Beware is not a great great example but like for example let's say i don't know kenny dykstra or someone i'm just trying to think of some random person right probably recently retired in the last four or five years i imagine because i'm sure he did the independence for some time when he retires just have a little five minute video package about oh this is kenny dykstra just recently retired this this was his career this is what he did in wwe five minutes on a three-hour show of which you do every single week is nothing and would be just a little bit of something extra just to i i think raw should be not just i think raw has to in my opinion i'd like to see raw and or smackdown change their the way they make their shows a bit and i and i think raw could be more of a or or smackdown could be more of a kind of something with a bit more imagination and include things that were not just here's the next promo that doesn't mean anything like the number of people who walk into a into a ring and say something and they're not saying anything like they don't they might actually got something to say but they're going to talk for 10 minutes stop doing that like stop putting out matches that don't mean anything that last 15 minutes on raw like it just it's just rubbish Mm. it's boring make it a bit more interactive a bit more imaginative a bit more something else you know you know and i and i feel this way about lots of things in wrestling i feel like i think rankings should be a thing i don't think it should be hard to do just employ the same person who you kind of employed to do all the little details to just keep a track of who's winning who's losing the writers can then go oh you know what what's the record showing us right now we'll figure a way to write that person down the rankings or that person up the rankings just because why why should that be so hard you've got they, they talk about making three hours and two hours of television every week but as i said before most of that's wrestling anyway so they're not writing three hours of a TV show every week. It's probably when it comes down to more like 40 minutes at most. And it's not the most sophisticated writing either, is it? It's just, you know, writing for wrestling programs. So, yeah, for me, there's just so much they can still do with a bit more kind of attention to detail and organisation. And that's one of them, I think, is I, I don't understand why more often we haven't had main events of Raw, which are somebody's retirement match, who you wouldn't necessarily make a big deal of their retirement on, you know, a pay-per-view or something. But a lesser down the card, you're going to release them. Them, but you want to give them a send-off so you say well this person's mm. retiring from the wwe here's their retirement match you know I just, things like that i just don't i don't understand why there's not this kind of mm. a bit more thought for things like that but that's for me where the moments for people like coco beware should come the hall of fame should be i agree with, i actually completely agree with matt personally the hall of fame should be for the apps 
absolute cream of the crop in the business. Not even necessarily everyone who's become a WWE or World Heavyweight Champion should get in there. It should be the absolute legitimately the guys that drew or did something that moved the business forward in some way. That's what the Hall of Fame should be for me. And take out double and double nominations as well. I hate that. <laughs> Yeah, I well, yeah, I can't, I can't. Well, I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame do it, don't they? And so, do, in yeah. fact, so does so do baseball. Like they have, like if a, yeah. if a player if a player goes in as a, a really good player, they could also go in as a coach, for example. You know, later on in the career for there. But I know what you mean. I, I I have a bit of an issue with that as well, Matt. Yeah. So then the we have a we have the results of a poll which show that eighty two percent believe the Undertaker will beat Batista with only eighteen percent backing Batista, which says to me that we're already in the period where everyone knows the Undertaker is going to win every single year which is a shame because that, that didn't last very long did it that window <laughs> very exciting. then the hype video where we see at the rumble Undertaker winning and then Taker choosing Batista as his opponent Batista turning on Taker during tag match and no way out Taker choke slamming him a few weeks before that Batista saying I will not be intimidated intimidated Taker tells Batista that at Wrestlemania Batista's reign as champion will rest in peace as we discussed earlier on, Matt, you said it was the best build to a match during the show. <coughs> Didn't really do a lot for me, I'll be honest. It just felt very, very generic, very kind of nondescript. It seemed like some things had happened, but nothing particularly exciting. It, it was it was all about the Taker's Rumble win, Taker selecting him as an opponent, and yeah, that, that, pretty much that, that was it. That, that was as good as it got. The one thing I didn't understand here was that Teddy Long then did the ring announcing for this match. Why did yeah, that happen? There, there was no reason to that, if, if I remember rightly, other than the fact that, you know, well, at least today everybody loves Teddy Long saying, Undertaker! I don't really know. So that was quite odd. Yeah, didn't understand that. Anyway, that match is next. It's Batista versus Undertaker for the World Heavyweight title. Batista defending. The match goes for just under 16 minutes. Taker hits a tombstone to win and get the title and goes 15-0 and 0 in the process. Alex? I wasn't looking forward to this at all. Uh, I'm not a big fan of The Undertaker. Obviously, his WrestleMania matches later on in his career are fantastic. And, um, you know, he had, he's, he's had other fantastic matches other than that as well. But I'm not a massive fan of his. And I wasn't a massive fan of Batista either at the time. So I wasn't looking forward to it at all. However, the video package really got me hyped up for it. And then when they were coming out, the Teddy Long aside, because I've got a note of that, that, it should have been someone other than Teddy Long. But it felt big time. The the match felt big time. Completely different to the Shawn Michaels Cena one. And before they'd even got in the ring, I was gagging for it. I was like, this is, it, it just felt massive. Batista, it would just look like a, such a star. I never realised how over and how good he was as presenting as a star, which he would do because obviously he's, he is a star and he's a massive movie star now. But yeah, the, and then I was preparing myself for a massive long Undertaker mat, uh, Undertaker entrance and that wasn't even that long either. And I thought it was going to be slow and plodding and it wasn't at all. It, it, it started off at a fantastic pace, really surprised me and overall it was a fantastic match. Absolutely brilliant, really, really exciting. It started off at a good pace and it maintained that pace throughout. Batista can't throw a punch. It was more like a slap and there was a couple of botches. But there was one, oh, one thing was, do you know when he jumps over, the, when the Undertaker jumps over the top rope, I thought this was the one that he lands on his head and kind of like corsetinas backwards. So when he was running, I was like thinking, and then he did it. And I thought, oh, but and then I found out, I realised it's not that one. It's <laughs> some mania 25. So I was getting myself all worked up for no reason. Yeah, I love the barrier spot. The announcer table spot were brilliant. The crowd just got better as the match goes on. 
one, Batista was getting booed and as the match got on, it just got louder and louder and louder. One thing, again, commentary is white noise to me, but JBL says he wears scars like badges of honour. I think he said it at least twice. So proud of himself for that ride, uh, for that um, that line. And then the other thing was, uh, uh, this is a bit of a nitpick, but when he, the Undertaker sits up after the spine buster, thought the production was all wrong because you didn't really see it. The the camera wasn't really on Undertaker or it was around the back of him and it, it didn't really get the same effect that it should have done really. But that is nitpicking. I thought, I thought it was a fantastic match and I didn't expect it to be. I thought it was going to be really boring, just really plodding and it wasn't. It was really, really quick pace i've loved it thought it was brilliant do you know of all the things that occurred to me um while watching this probably the main thing is that this is probably the type of match that gets vince mcmahon hard as a rock he probably just thinks yeah two big men kicking ass you you could just easily see him thinking yes this is the type of match that i want to present and you know what for a big man match this was bloody brilliant it started off quick you know with batista immediately taking take it down which you know set the tone straight away thinking right this isn't going to be you know to this isn't going to be kane versus the great carly you know two slow guys battling it out this is going to be quick pace hard hitting and it was you know batista trying everything he could to put take it down power slam through the table great overpowering taker to get out of a choke slam that was great taker trying to hit him batista with everything he could the last ride choke slams batista kicking her everything it was really good the the finish being the tombstone was was perfect I almost think it had to be the tombstone, so that was great. Crowd was solidly behind Undertaker at this point, you know, and were for years after. But yeah, this was meant to be, as we said earlier, initially Taker's sort of last world title run. And I think some people possibly knew that, but this was really well done. Props to both of them, actually. And in all fairness, I think Batista, you know, equally carried his weight uh, in this just as much as Undertaker did. But but they both did an absolutely excellent job. And this really surpassed a lot of expectations at the time as well I think so fair play to them this was a this was a really good piece of work this was what Batista's move to Smackdown was for right this is what it was for to build this match eventually Batista versus Undertaker as that I think it might have happened the year before had he been had Batista not got injured it's my match of the night I thought it was really good the Taker dive over the top will never not impress me it's just draw drop in to see him do it and then he also did the Mick Foley knees into the steel steps and flip over them, which again was just, you're just like, wow, this guy, you know, I don't like the guy personally as a person, but his work, as I've said before, there's a reason why he is considered a special big man wrestler. And he, he is very, very good. And this was not the start because obviously, Matt, as you said, when we did WrestleMania 21, that was kind of the start of the Undertaker's run of great WrestleMania matches. But, but here, you know, is where he, every year is is really really good and i'm looking forward to going back and seeing specifically the match with edge because it's not one i can remember very well whereas i was at wrestlemania 25 and i you know i've watched that match a number of times we've covered wrestlemania 26 on this show before so we, we'll be reposting that in the, the weeks to come and i remember that match and i also remember quite well the two triple h matches and then the cm bunk one but the edge one's the one i I'm not doesn't really stick in my head very well. So I'm looking forward to seeing that if it holds up. But I thought this was really good. And I wasn't really expecting it to, to be honest. I thought I'd watch this back and go, yeah, okay, it was it was good, but it wasn't great. I didn't think it was great, but it was the best match tonight. And that's to say something to you about the overall quality of the show that I felt. Just some things were good and above average. Nothing really for me was really superb. 
except for the person who decided to put Vince McMahon's original introduction for Aretha Franklin over the top at the start. And then we get Bobby Lashley's all grown up video. This isn't the one that you like then, Alex? No, no um, not this one. Then we get Vincent Mann backstage looking in a mirror. Good looking son of a bitch, he says to himself. Then Steph, <laughs> then Steph brings her baby in. And, uh, uh, I see that then, before, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> then Steph brings her baby in and then Vince cuts a promo at the baby. And we are seeing, uh, we are as if we are the, the baby. The, the camera is looking up at Vince. Vince McMahon does baby talk at all during this as well. And eventually the baby trumps and um, Vince makes a little a little pun out of it. Matt, going to say something now? I didn't find this funny. You're OK. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, I wouldn't say I found this. I definitely found it creepy. I felt like I needed weird. a shower. It was weird. It was so weird, this. I yeah. just found this so bizarre. Vince doing baby talk. Ah, ah, that's that's, that's grim. I I generally felt dirty after after watching it. I thought it was good. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just really funny. It just I think it's mainly it's mainly his facials in it. It, it. It's just how he was. I, I, yeah, I thought I thought it was all right. This is the peak of Vince madness, isn't it? Like yeah. he's he's never more nuts than this period. These sort of three four years in, in, in this period, he's just at the height of his absolute insanity. It's just so strange some of the stuff he's up to at this point. Creep. <laughs> yeah, I'm inclined to agree. Then we get the eight-man tag match between the ECW originals, which are Rob Van Dam, Sabu, the Sandman, and Tommy Dreamer, against the new breed, Elijah Burke, Kevin Thorne, Marcus Corvon, and Matt Stryker. RVD hits a frog splash on Stryker to seal the win after six and a half minutes. Matt? <laughs> oh, God. This match actually makes me laugh a little bit. I really liked the original ECW way back when. So like a lot of these guys, Sabu, Sabman, I, I really liked. So to see them in this type of WWE setting is is so strange. And at first I was always thinking, oh, it's just it just doesn't look right. It just looks sort of place where they thought, oh, do you know what? They were working their asses off in front of nobody, hardly any fans for years. They probably got paid a decent amount for this. I thought, but especially Sam Man of all people, just watching him cheerlead on the apron. I thought, fucking good for you. You know, you, you probably got paid a good amount for this to just, you know, put on your WWE stuff and cheerlead on the apron. And yeah, good for you. I mean, this was really quick. If if nothing else, this match. I mean, they put them in there to try and do some ECW type stuff. Sabu bumping all over the place at the start. Uh, Tommy Dreamer coming in with a couple of DDTs here and there. But God alive, the the so called new breed. Well, they've all got on to Hall of Fame worthy careers, haven't they? This like this was mercifully quick. Like I said, the ECW guys won, so I suppose the the crowd were happy with that. But they got paid for it. Good for them. You've managed to put forth a point there, which spun a positive for me in this. And you're absolutely right. Fair play to the Sandman in particular for the payday that he probably yeah. got from this, which is probably the biggest payday he got in his career, I'd imagine. Yeah, exactly. The, you know, for, for all the stuff he's done, the same as, you know, there's a couple of them you know, wrestled in front of hardly no people. And I thought, Do you know what? They probably got a shit ton of money for this. So, yeah, he's happy. I'm sure he's fine. I think they missed a trick with this because... I think it should have been an Extreme Rules match. And I think that they should have had a 10-minute just all-out hardcore brawl. So I think they really, really missed the trick. That being said, I thought it was all right. It wasn't terrible. It, it was. I think it was probably just a bit 
above average. When the, when the original ECW lot come out, I was well up for it. I thought that like it looked fantastic when they're coming through the crowd and they lo- they were loving it. Like you say about Sandman, I think he, he just couldn't get over where he was. But yeah, all, all of them, yeah, you know, I loved it when they come out. And then the the new breed come out and I thought, what do you mean? It just sapped everything out of me straight away. But again, it was all right. It was good when the pace picked up. I love it when RVD sells a splash. I love it because you should do. It's going to hurt him not as much as the person. That's what he's getting over. But yeah, it's not a bad match, but it should have just been an Extreme Rules match. Ten minutes of just bonkers, kind of an all-out brawl. I think that would have been that would have been miles better than this, miles better. For me, it was just a forgettable passing thing that was there because they wanted an ECW match on the show. That was that was pretty much it. The only other ECW wrestlers on the entire show, I think, are Punk and then obviously Bob Lashley is the ECW champion, which they only barely mentioned during the, the Battle of the Billionaires, which shows even more how little they thought of it. And I was thinking, actually, why didn't they just make that for the title as well? Because Lashley wins, so he would have retained. So what's the problem? Yeah. I don't really get why that wasn't for the title. Anyway, this was what it was, forgettable. But I, as I said, Matt, I, I, I appreciate the spin you put on it. And I'm absolutely with you. It's good to see mm. these guys getting the payday. I mean, actually, to hell, hell with it, not just the Sandman, but all the guys in the new breed as well probably didn't get a better payday than this in their entire career. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame, of, like particularly with Marcus Covon as well, because, yeah, I felt he quite had, you know, had quite a lot to offer. And I'm not really sure what happened with him. I'm sure he had like some... Apparently there was some family emergency, and then just all of a sudden he retired, never to be seen again. Mm, it was a, it, one of TNA's kind of original success stories, wasn't he? That yeah. um, that they were expecting to make kind of one of their big first homegrown talent, and then WWE snapped him up, and within months he'd kind of yeah, it all it all gone. Yeah, he's done. It was a shame. Mm. Would you have preferred a, a like an ECW Extreme Rules match instead of this, or I would have done, but I just don't think I think given that it was going to it was placed before the battle of the billionaires i don't think they allowed it because it would have slightly overshadowed that what the, the madness of that match if you see what i mean so i, I just mm. i think maybe it, it's difficult also when you look at the whole show it's difficult to know where you would place it because there's you know the main events are quite spread out can't really put a hardcore eight-man tag match on first so i'm not really sure where it would have gone mm. Yeah, I felt they would have had to give it a little bit more time if they were going to make it a hardcore, and they, they probably didn't want to. Like I said, they just wanted to get the brand on the show. Probably after the Kane and Great Carly match might have put everyone off after that <laughs> shit, shit show. So yeah. then, Steve Austin's All Grown Up video. This is the one. Okay. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. Like, because all, I mean, all the others are dead cheesy and they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. But this one sets out exactly the same pace, and they talk about his dad. And then his, so his, his dad told him to open a can of whoop ass and it just changed. I thought, it was, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really good. I think you're probably fairly right on this one. It's just by this point, I'm like, this whole growing up thing can just fuck off. I have no interest in it whatsoever. It's shit. It's a bad tagline. The videos are bad. It doesn't make any sense. Get it off. Bomb it off now. It's rubbish. Yeah, no, I was the same until I, I was the same until that. But yeah, I did enjoy it. We then got a short video to promote the WrestleMania 24 be coming from Orlando, Florida. Thomas Hitman Hearns is shown in the crowd. Don't know who he is. Um, then we get the hype video for the Battle of the Billionaires and all that stuff. Donald Trump and everybody taking about 50 minutes to get to the ring. Then we get John Cena's all grown up video. Fucking hell. Then we get Michael Cole telling us about the pre-show match, which was Flair and Carlito versus Chavo and Gregory Helms in a lumberjack match. <laughs> what the fuck is that? What kind of teams are they? <laughs> we're, right now, we're going to have Charlotte Flair and Otis against Damien Priest 
and Donald Trump. Like, it's just so random. It's weird. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it at all. Then we get the Lumberjills come into the ring. So we've got Tori Wilson, Mickey James, Gillian Hall, Trinity, Crystal, Maria, Kelly Kelly, Layla, Brooke, Candice, Michelle, Michelle McCall. Got to be honest, I had to look up at least three of those to figure out who the hell they were. Uh, because yeah. certainly Trinity, I was like, who the hell is that? Never heard of them before. And um, yeah. <laughs> and I had to check as well on Brooke um, that she was indeed Miss Hessmacher from TNA. And she was not not particularly familiar with this lot if i'm honest and uh not the best year for women's wrestling in wwe i would suggest given that lineup of women and after what tom gave his match tonight for wrestlemania 22 the women's title match we get the ah. follow-up to that here the lumberjill women's title match which sees melina defending the title against ashley now this is of course post trish and post Lita, I suppose, in WWE. Both had sort of retired, if you like, or moved on by this point. And it ends after three minutes, mercifully short, when Melina reverses a roll up and gets a pin. The dip in quality of the women's division is quite spectacular here. This is an incredible fall from grace from what we've seen with Trish in the previous years. And pff, this was just bad. There's just nothing else to say about it. It's just bad. Yeah, terrible. Terrible. I mean, hardly any notes really. But Melina is pretty decent, and then she messes up the roll up at the end. Ashley Mazaros, obviously, she's did she won the uh, did she win tough enough a diva search or something like that? Uh, diva search, yeah. Yeah, diva search, yeah. So obviously, she don't know what she's doing. And another one who died, who, who died a few years ago as well. I got the impression that, and and this is the main thing from it. I got the impression that Nikki James was just pissed off. Not really putting a lot of effort into the to to, but I mean to be fair, why would you? As Tom said, you know, his match of the night last week was the Mickey James Trish Stratus match. I, 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 you know, it's a while since I've seen WrestleMania 22, but I remember it being a pretty decent match. She can obviously wrestle. Melina is pretty decent, bar the messing up the roll up. Just have them in a match. Just stick them in a match. Uh, like and get rid of don't have lumberjills. Just have them in a wrestling match. You've got two pretty decent workers there. Just like have that instead of this shit. Uh, yeah, rubbish. Yeah, that's it. I've not really got anything else, really. Yeah, there's not a lot you can say about this. I mean, one of the things that did slightly bug me is that uh, I do have a funny feeling that they did overdub Ashley's theme song, and they did overdub a song that I do like. I'm sure her theme song used to be Audio Slaves, Be Yourself, which was a damn good song. And yeah, they took that away, so how dare they? Didn't Wasn't that a WrestleMania theme as well later? It may, it may have been, but I know they used it for the Diva Search. And then they carried on using it for her after that. So whether or not they use, they probably use it again. They, I, I don't know, but maybe they did. Yeah, do you know what? I, I think after Trish and Lita retired, you know, all you really had was was pretty much Mickey James, and it got to the point where for years afterwards, all you had was just that one good worker amongst everybody else who just was just not up to scratch and they were and to be fair to them they they were never given the time to potentially get up to scratch and for years afterwards yeah i mean the the women's division just languished occasionally your victorias pop back in every now and again i think lay cool popped up which were actually an okay combo for for a little while um you had the, the infamous piggy james thing going um so there were some quote-unquote high spots but yeah the, the, this was awful awful use of pretty much everybody in there yeah um what what would you say this this was a what, what what a way for us to wind down the show this wasn't great i think what this shows as well is that how much vince McMahon thought trish was attractive i think that's what this shows because 
I think what what it was is that Vince was happy for Trish to do what she did, legitimize the women's division, make it really credible and, and have some great matches, good stories as well, because he, he thought she was really attractive. And I think if that wasn't why Trish was able to do what she did for the division, then they would have just given the belt to Mickey James and had her carry the division for the next four or five years alone and basically work with everybody, try and make them all better and gradually build up, find out the best and keep them and move everybody else on. But at this point, it did just become legitimately a, a basically a bunch of models coming into the ring. This group in particular, a lot of them were never wrestlers. No one can ever tell me Tori Wilson was actually a wrestler, right? No, no, no way. She was an actual wrestler. Uh, Crystal, Maria... None. They weren't wrestlers. Candice Michelle, she wasn't a wrestler. Oh. Let's be honest. Like they're not actually wrestlers. They were just there for you know to to look nice for 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 the males in the crowd. So you know for me that's what this exposes is that Trish was able to do what she was able to do and she did amazing things. Don't get me wrong, but she would not have been allowed to do it had she not been as attractive as she was in Vince's eyes. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. So that is everything. That is a bit of a damp script to, to end <laughs> the show on. But it is time to get our overall kind of thoughts on the show and our ratings out of 10. I think we've all given our MVPs and match of the nights. So uh, we're just on the that, that stuff. Let's start with you, Alex. This is a tough one because I was debating giving this an eight, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Um, no, because well, when I was, after watching it, I was like, well, it's got three decent matches with the Money in the Bank, or above decent matches, Money in the Bank, the Battle of the Billionaires, and the uh, the Batista Undertaker match. It's got an incredible match with the John Cena Shawn Michaels one. And then the United States Championship match and the ECW one are, are slightly above average. And then you've got the other two that are poor. So th- there's more above average than there is below average. So that's why I thought about giving it an eight. And the, the, I love the main event that much that I thought that would bump it up to an eight. But talking about it and thinking about it and other WrestleManias is not an eight because there are WrestleManias that are better than this. So I'm going to go seven. I'm, I'm going to go seven. I think it is. It, it feels like it's a bit underrated, this WrestleMania, because it doesn't get spoken about as much as others. And, you know, the moments don't get mentioned as much as others. And that main event, it just doesn't, people don't really talk about it as much as other main events. And, which is a shame because I, I can't tell you how much I love that main event. So I think a seven is fair. I think it, for me, I think it's a fair rating. I've got a feeling I'm probably going to be the highest one out of the three of us. But yeah, I'm I'm going to stick with a seven. You think incorrect, sir? Seven out of ten. Oh, bloody hell! I, I, I'm also going with a seven on this. Um, yeah, despite like I said, finishing the show review on that damn scrim of the women's match, I'm trying to go back and, and remember how amazingly impressed I was by, by the main event and like I, I for me like that is one of the best John Cena matches I, I personally think I've ever seen um the Batista Undertaker match was great the Money in the Bank ladder match was great I, I really enjoyed Benoit MVP there was enough good to great stuff on this show to, to to put it up quite highly I think and I think seven is a is quite reflective of that so yeah the, and I too would say this is probably one of the more underrated WrestleManias seven out of ten I would say that this is a fairly rated WrestleMania. I think this is pretty middling in general. What I was left with was a kind of, okay, that was all right. That's how I felt when I finished. I was like, it just didn't really, just didn't really go beyond third gear for me. It just sort of stayed, you know, there were some highlights, but they weren't massive highlights for me. They were just, yeah, that was really good. It was WrestleMania. I mean, I'm expecting more. I want more anyway. And I'm giving it a five out of 10, which is 
obviously significantly different from both of you. I just didn't I didn't rate the Cena Michaels match anywhere near as much as you did. Batista Undertaker was the best match tonight, but it wasn't superb. It was just it was just a solid, a really good solid good match. Money in the Bank match was fine, but again I felt like this was the first time I was like, okay, it's Money in the Bank, great. And then the Battle of the Billionaires was fun, but not as much fun as a number of Vince Man matches have been in the past. It had all the elements that Vince likes, but it's just not it's just not quite up to to what he had done so for me yeah just not a big fan of this one i didn't hate it i didn't think it was a bad show i just didn't think it was anything approaching you know really good or really average basically just a really average wrestlemania for me and quite forgettable i don't think there's much about this that i'll take away thinking oh i'd love to see that again in terms of where that puts wrestlemania 23 top of the wrestlemania list at the moment is still 17 and second is uh, 19. Then we've got to 21 in third, 10 in fourth, 22 in fifth, and 23 in sixth. So both of those quite high at the moment. They're above WrestleMania 3, 14, 15, 28, 5, 13, 18, 7, 6, WrestleMania 2000, 12, 1, 9, 4, 11, and 2 is at the bottom of the list. <laughs> wow. I'll tell you I'll tell you what I haven't done that's become a little bit of a tradition. Internet movie database, seven point five. <laughs> that's pretty much what they give every wrestling show, isn't it? Which is no, it was WrestleMania four and fifteen both had seven. Yeah. So, so that's pretty much the same seven point five, yeah. So Amazing. Okay, well, that is everything for this week's episode of the pod. Uh, Alex, I, you've done this a couple of times, so I just wanted to give you the opportunity again to do to plug anything because you always seem to have something going on. So I figured you uh, might want to plug something. No, not really. Well, not really. I am doing the marathon again next year for cancer research, but I've not uh, I've I've signed up for it, but I've not done the link thing yet. So I'll wait until next year before I do that. Um, just the band Idol Promise on Facebook with one thousand six hundred odd likes, and we're trying to get to two thousand by the end of the year. So um, and again like i've said the more likes we get the more gigs we get so if you can get on facebook and like the band that'll be amazing i won't make any idle promises that we'll get you there but mm. <laughs> but ultimately i don't know i don't know what kind of music they do i don't know what i don't know what they're like i don't know how good they are but they can they must be better than most of matt's music uh, collection so <laughs> you know there's that at least <clears throat> alex thanks for joining us today yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on again. Love it. And Matt, thank you for joining us too. Ladies and gentlemen, been a pleasure. We will be back again in a couple of weeks' time with WrestleMania 24 from Florida. Looking forward to that. Sunny Florida. I feel like it's the, the return of WrestleMania as it is now in some ways. WrestleMania 24 is back in, outside in the big stadium. And they, they obviously the last three hadn't been like that. And it's a bit strange for me. In fact, WrestleMania 20 wasn't like that either, was it? We'll be back, I said, two weeks' time for that one. But until then... Take care.